buddy. Three snaps. This is the Stronghold Podcast. We three snap it here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is the one-year anniversary of the Stronghold Podcast. I think this is episode 33, 34, something like that. And I'm here with the brewmaster himself, the woodworker himself, the first ever guest, and my podcast brother, Greg Spears. What's dude, up, my how dude? How you doing, man? You all right? Yeah. Doing well, doing well. One year, man. It's night and day. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like, looking around, looking at your, your setup, looking at everything going on, it's uh, This is highbrow stuff. I feel I mean, very I feel, privileged to be here. I feel like the people that walking by get a very confusing vibe, because it's like, <laughs> this is we're kind of a little bit of a grunge. Like... You know, we're an upscale gym. It's got a little bit of a grungy feel, but then every time people walk by the windows and they see like this fucking crazy setup we got going on. I think this is clean. It's a little bit. It's like a little both. Sharp. You know, it's not like uh, evolved, but it's not like dirt, dirty. We're like somewhere in the middle, which I like, right? I like being a little bit grounded. Fair. I like, you know what I mean? We're we're in that middle zone. Like it's like family gym. Yeah. It's not crazy. We're not like up in a mall, like super yeah. posh, but we're also not, you know... Feel, out in the heat, dirty like and shit. The, the same settings for the same like finishings and fixtures of Evolve is kind of like a condo, like yeah, a Singaporean yeah, exactly. condo. So it just feels a little like yeah, that's that's very Singapore MMA. You know, it's it's like marble countertops and you know fucking nice clean edges and frosted glass showers and stuff like that. It's yeah, it's that's definitely a very Singapore take on the the way that it was designed. This feels like a family. This feels like a home. This feels like you know. It's, it's, it's less, I don't know, is manicured the wrong word? I, I, that's what we do, man. Family. This is a family gym, right? I mean, that's, that's the kind of vibe we're going for. And, uh, you know, you're my brother, so I'm happy to have you on. One year, it had to be you. There was nobody else that we could do the podcast with. Fireworks. And boom. So, Greg, as usual, the brewmaster himself has brought several, several beers for us to try. Last time, <laughs> last time, you want to tell this story? Last time, Greg and I, I did the podcast. I remember this story. Last time, Greg and I did the podcast. You know, we were sitting here, you're, we're drinking, we're talking. It was like a two-hour-plus-long podcast. Terrible. And when you're on camera and you're talking back and forth, you tend to lose track of what you're doing. It's like one of those things where you, you have a few drinks, but you're sitting down, you're chatting the whole time. All of a sudden, you stand up, and you're on your way out, and you're like, oh, my God, what have I done? And so my last memory is just of Greg running out yep. of the gym, and he's like, I think I'm going to puke. I'm like, no. Greg never pukes. Greg never drink. pukes. I he also don't drink drinks. a lot, which is weird for, you know. So there's always trepidation when I come here because it's like, well, because <laughs> you know you're getting. I better not have anything tomorrow. This is, yeah, we. I only drink when we're together, basically, you know. That's yeah, which a, is hilarious because you're a brewmaster. Yeah, but it it always comes down to, like th- this is why I always bring, a different stuff, you know, be weird things or maybe not weird. This is a pretty. Pretty good, I don't know, pretty nice selection. It's nothing like, uh, there are three bottles of this in the world or whatever. Although the quad that we might be drinking later, yeah. 13.6. He brought a 13.6% beer. <sighs> I mean, this is all self, self-destructive. self It's yeah. not like I'm you know, free of blame in any of this. Well, we can um, self-destruct on camera, dude. It's, yeah, it's entertaining okay. for the viewers. Yeah, I think right? that's, it's got to be filmed. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do. So uh, we're here, man. One year of the podcast. There were some sick fights today. There were some sick fights next weekend. Yep. Uh, if you don't mind, let's just go ahead and break that go shit down. We'll get the MMA talk out of the way, and then we'll just see where, mm-hmm. the, where the podcast mm-hmm. takes us. I didn't see any of the preliminaries, unfortunately. I didn't Main either. card. I usually watch. The, I usually prefer the preliminaries. Yeah. Which is, I don't know. There's, there seems to be like less hype around it. You know, people are more into their flows. It's it feels more like a fight and less like of a. Less like a production. Does that yeah, make sense? Totally. Yeah. The, usually, because if you think about all the fights going on now, 
they're dead silent. There's no crowd. I right? know, it's so bizarre. I right? can hear everything. But that's like the preliminaries yeah. a lot of the oh, time. Yeah, yeah, that's right? a good point. That's, yeah, that's a good point. So when you're watching it's like, oh, this just feels more, oh, people just haven't turned up yet. Mm. You know, it's not like a, I don't feel like there's gravitas removed from having no crowd there because it feels like the fights that I prefer watching. Anyway, yeah, sorry. I'm going to snag um, that, dude. Go for it, go for it, go for it. So this is uh, just for anyone who's uh, drinking along at home, although not that you'll know the drinks list. Um, this is Garage Project Wellington. This is a, I think it's a slightly sour salted white peach ale. I don't think, I'm not sure if it's a goes. I don't think it's a goes, but it, it might be. Slightly salted, so it could be. 2.9%, so we're starting yep. off easy here. <laughs> we're yep. starting off easy here. Jake, if you're ever dry, you just uh, grab Please. one and we'll pass one to you, okay? Yeah, yeah. good, good. I've got, I've got buttons pressed, so I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. No so, worries. So, uh, yeah, the fights today were pretty good, man. The card was a banger. A lot of yep. first-round finishes. Yep. Like, it was pretty sick. You know, Woodley did Woodley, I feel like. I think uh, he's knocking on the door of one of the worst post-championship runs Oof. in history, I would say. Yeah, is right. that, I don't know. Is that too bold of a statement? Is it too fresh? <sighs> well, how many more fights does he have to do until he is officially... You know, that's kind of where you start asking the question. Well, how I, close does he have to get before you start thinking that way? I, I th- he's lost 15 rounds in a row, minimum. Oof. Because uh, he lost all five against Usman. He lost all five against Burns. He lost all five and got finished by some weird-ass rib injury. I don't know, dude. What was your take on this? I remember watching the fight. Did you see the, the eye poke? Both of the them. End? Yeah. Three of them. Wait, well, no, I mean, no, no, from no, no. The, the Cerrone fight? The, the Woodley coming to Oh, okay. We'll no, 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 I didn't. I missed that. Because there was, I think it was in the third or fourth round, there was an eye poke, and you could kind of see, I put it on the group chat, you could see that uh, Woodley, it looked like he was looking for a way out to me. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, he got poked in the eye, whatever. I'm not trying to, like, shit yeah. on Woodley or anything. But, you know, you get grazed in the eye, you're like, I mean, Cerrone got grazed in the eye, Nico Price, no, no part of them ever looked like... Yep. I don't know. Maybe I can't continue. I'm, I'm having trouble. They were like, "I'm one eye. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fight with Take one the eye. other one. Exactly. It's <laughs> like one good one. I'm fine. I mean, you got Michael Bisping, right? Getting head kicked by Vitor. He's literally blind Dude. in one eye. He fought four more times after that with one eye. This, the Cerrone. Getting back to the Cerrone thing, you could tell when like Nico Price was. I don't know. We're kind of jumping around the fights a little bit. When Nico Price had that point taken away from him the first time, you see like Cerrone like shaking his head like. He was almost He's upset looking for that exactly because Nico got a point taken exactly. away. It's like oh, that removes so the fairness of it. But. Yeah, but then so I thought Woodley was kind of. It looked to me. I put it in the group chat. I'm like, I don't know, man. I think Woodley's looking for an out. And then in that fourth round uh, or fifth round, Covington got on top of him. And then you just hear Woodley like scream out. He's like ah, and he's like get off me, get off yeah. me. And then I was like. I had no idea what happened. I literally walked to the bathroom and like I'm watching it on my phone on the way to the bathroom. And then while I'm in the bathroom, I lose reception. <laughs> and then I come out and then all of a sudden the fight's finished. I'm like, oh shit, what happened? How did he finish? And then I watched the replay and I was like, he was just kind of laying there and then he screamed out and he's like, uh, oh, get him off me, get off of me. And then that was it, complaining from a rib injury. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know how severe his injury is, yep. but there was like three minutes left in that fight and a lot of guys would fight through that. I'm not mm. saying he should have or shouldn't. It just remains to be seen what mm-hmm. actually the injury is, right? But to me, it just looked like he was done. It didn't look like he was motivated to get in there. I feel like I'm not trying to like bash on Woodley too hard, but to me, he's the least entertaining champion ever. Even his wins, right? Okay, he knocked out Lawler. That was pretty epic. He had the two 
the two Wonder Boy fights, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which were very, extremely inactive, except for when he landed the big mm-hmm, shot, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. He landed the big shot, made it interesting, whatever. Then he smashed Hill, which I'll give him credit for. Yep. And then, so he's really, really hit or miss, but he just, he always backs up, leaves his back against the cage. He's got really, really low striking volume. If anyone, if you can't land the big shot, he's never, ever willing to press the pace. And then uh, against Covington, I just thought he was kind of looking for an out. I don't know. What, what was your take on it? Super vindicating. Watching that. I also didn't know what happened. Because huh? you love Trump. Hey, man. Maga, maga. Right? <laughs> maga, maga, gay frogs. Re, re, re. So watching it, I couldn't figure out what happened. But when he went, oh, my rib, my rib. Right? The first thing that popped into my head was I remember ha- – um, this is funny. This is back in the vault. Um, it was Mitch Chilson of all people, mm. and it was um, grinding the knee over the thigh, right past the guard. Like right? knee slice. Yeah, knee slice exactly. Mm. But caught the bottom of the rib cage in that knee slice, so pushed in right into that pocket. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. as you're coming up and over. And I remember something feel like flex pop, yeah. and it was just like get off kind of thing. Yeah. I, it wasn't as extreme kind of thing, but I remember thinking like whoa stuff can happen in really weird yeah it's not like you'd be like oh defend the ribs and the knee slice you know that's not really a a thing you're trained to do because it's so out of the realm of possibility that anything and like sometimes that's those intercostal it's just a weird ribs they, exactly. they just pop anyway it's like that which is weird movement well i noted for uh notice um i call him hazmat because he's pretty fucking dangerous kasman mm. um when he was standing up on the cage like you can see sometimes like there's a little bump off to the side, and that's where ribs popped out. Yeah, that's where ribs so, broke. And he yeah. had he had one on the right hand side. Mm. Mine's on the left. So I want to see Woodley after the fight. You know, I'm always like, can you tell someone someone's style by looking at them? Yeah. Right. I'm always intrigued about this. Can you tell someone that lives in a in a two story house and which way the stairs go by their body makeup? Right. The the like a weird ab pattern like is there history in there like can you I mean, figure someone ears, out you can find out who the wrestler that's is exactly fast, right? right yeah I mean, the ears the nose boxers for the nose and stuff flat, like that flat nose totally yeah. but it's like oh could you tell if this guy's a righty or a lefty or whether or not he has a particular style just because of the way that his body's made mm. no, I, I think about that so now i want to see woodley in the future and see if he's got that little bump yeah like, well oh, that's i'm the, sure he'll release whatever information is about his rib uh and I, i'm not trying to bash on him like you know here's the thing he wasn't going to win that fight no matter what. No. So, I mean, whether well, unless he's... Unless he knocked him out right at the end. Which, but. I mean, he's on his back. He hadn't landed anything. You know his power's mostly sapped at that point. Doesn't mean he doesn't have a puncher's chance. But, uh, yeah, I just think that he's just... You know, I talked about this on the last podcast. Uh, there, there's basically three archetypes that fighters tend to fall under. There's the martial artist, mm-hmm. right? That's like the GSP. Kinda. That's the Machida, right? That, those guys that just fight forever, right? And then you have the Would fighters. Maya be in that category? Yeah, he's a martial yeah, okay. artist, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you have the fighters. That's like mm-hmm. Nick and Nate Diaz. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. the guys that are just going to get in your... Nico Price. Diego he's Sanchez. Donald Cerrone, right? right? I mean, they're just fighters. They fight. They love fighting. Right. And then you have the athletes. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that's where Woodley falls under. And the problem with being the athlete is they rely on mm. their athleticism rather than their bag of tricks. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, when the athleticism mm-hmm. starts to go, I mean, Woodley's 38. Right when the athleticism starts to go, do you have other ways to win when your fast twitch mm-hmm, mm-hmm, isn't mm-hmm. as quick as it was? Because the coach is making the calls, right? You mm-hmm. just have to know all of the 
calls and what to do in those, but you aren't necessarily making those critical decisions to implement those calls. Yeah. Is that kind of where you're going with that? Yeah, and he, you know, he just needs the, he needs the right hand. All mm. he does is try to bait people mm. into the right hand, bait people into the right hand. When he, the right hand's not there, what else is he doing? Mm. I mean, he mm. used to wrestle a little bit more. That, I mean, has Woodley ever finished anybody with anything other than the right hand? Not that I've seen. I mean, I've never seen. I've never seen him finish anything. In my mind, he's a wrestler as well. But it, it, watching this fight, it was like this. This is a kind of had this kind of long dip down. But when was the last time he grinded somebody in a wrestling? Match? Like, uh, I mean, <sighs> Jesus, we're dealing with a lot of years, years. I would say years and years. So you know, he just got overly reliant on I think his athleticism in his right hand, and then now that I feel like he's getting to that age. I mean, he's still tough. Like he rarely ever gets finished. Like mm-hmm. he's he's tough in there. He just. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of ways to win, and when his number one tool has been taken away, it just seems like he's uh, he's struggling in there, and he refuses to just push the pace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so it's, it's two fights in a row from now where his corner have literally been telling him go do something. Do yeah, fifth yeah. Ra- fifth round, you've got to do something. Yeah, yeah. You've lost this fight. And with Covington too, I mean, all the bad blood, all of the shit talking, the Trump, the MAGA stuff, the Black Lives Matter stuff. I mean. If Woodley was going to wake up for a fight, this needed to be the one where he's going to wake up for a fight because I don't know how black Twitter is going to feel about Woodley. I didn't, Woodley. Want, to, I didn't want to say anything, but it's <laughs> like, hey, man, you were never going to beat Colby Covington because he had that dragon power. The dragon power? Dra- the dragon power. What? Dragon power from the president when he oh. shook his head. He got a call from Trump during the press interview. I know. Like, Jake, uh, that, that was one of the, uh, the news things we wanted to talk about. Did you? Can you find a transcript of that or find a video? I don't know if we're allowed to show it, but he's literally... First of all, I was talking to Jake about this earlier. It's hilarious because he's sitting there doing an interview with Megan O'Leary, and all of a sudden his phone rings. He picks it up. It's Trump. He sits like, oh, there. Oh, it's POTUS. They put, him on the, they put him on speakerphone without telling him, and then you just hear Megan O'Leary be like, hey, you should probably tell the president yeah. that he's on speakerphone <laughs> right now because what if he just got in there and said some super racist shit? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, man, like, that would be not great. even racist, right? Can but what if imagine? he was like, oh, Black Lives Matter now or just some cheeky-ass statement like that, and then it's all of a sudden out everywhere, and all the while he doesn't know that he's on being recorded and on speakerphone. Well, the, the thing that got me was, um, I couldn't tell how, this is the thing with Trump, right? I can't tell impulsiveness versus calculation, Yeah. right? Because listening to the phone call was, you know, it was like, oh, you know, you're a champion, we're, we're two in the same, blah, blah. And he, and he kept aligning himself with Covington. Right, like, oh, you know, we're the same. We're the group, same. You're a champion. Same, I'm a champion. Yeah. You know, blah, blah blah. He's not really. I mean, it's you know, a little, in, little in the past history, the past couple of years of, of of Trump. I know we're not getting into politics now, but at the same time, it was just interesting how before the, it's like what, 42 days of the elections or something like that. Yeah. To have a huge media event, right? The winner of the huge media event be, not not beholden to Trump, but like such a. a like a fanboy kind of thing. Yeah, well, there was even uh, a bunch of fighters went with Dana White last week to one of his rallies. I think it was in was it in yeah. Vegas or wherever it was. Yep. Henry Cejudo went, and Colby went, and uh, Justin Gaethje went, and Ali Abdelaziz went, and uh, you know they all got pictures with them, and they all sat there and chatted and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I mean, it is what it is. You like who you like. Half the country likes one person. Half the country likes another person. I mean, I don't, I don't care about that. I think it's cool. Yep. I think it's cool that Trump. <laughs> 
is like into MMA. That's I mean, how crazy is it that Trump went to a UFC? Could you imagine like thinking back to the barbarian days of the UFC? Yeah. Right, like pre-Zufa, when it was blood sport and it got pulled off of uh, off of pay-per-view, and then you have uh, John McCain talking about how it's human cockfighting. Yep, and yep, yep. It only got legalized in New York, like still, like three Recently. or four years ago. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, the sitting president of the United States is sitting there calling him like, "It's pretty crazy, man." And then him and Dana White are like friends, and Dana White is speaking at the RNC. Yep. yep. <laughs> and yep. I'm just like, "Damn, man, MMA has come." And even Charmaine and I were talking last week on the podcast about how. Is there any sport in the world where a female can be lead the card? Because in the, the card last week, uh, Michelle Waterson and mm-hmm. yep, yep. Uh, uh, Angela Hill were the headliners. They led mm-hmm. the card. And it's like, what other sport, first of all, even with Ronda Rousey, can a female make the most money in the company, be the highest paid? They still will lead the card full of men. And then now you see like how much it's in the mainstream and how accepted it is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn, MMA has come so far it's a fucking awesome after white himself was saying no woman will fight in the ring yeah you exactly know? so this is and women would never yeah women yeah. would never fight all that stuff so i don't know that's pretty crazy man and then you start to see and this is the crazy thing about dana white too dana white's a republican he spoke at the mm-hmm. rnc he's friends with trump still was like totally down with woodley wearing black lives matter yeah. they didn't make it political they're like yeah you can do what you want i like that i mean that's he could have said no i don't right? think he totally could have said no He's like he could have been like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want you to bring that stuff in. Like, just do your thing. Like, yeah. that's not. And he was like, I don't, I don't care if that's what you want. You do what you want. Well, I don't think he's political. Like Dana White and Trump, I'm not surprised because they're both showmen. They're both. So I was talking to someone. They were like, <clears throat> Man, to pull that closer. Trump. To you, oh, my bad. Just make sure you get picked um, up. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, oh, here's the next beer, by the way. Oh, so cheers. It's a slightly sour guava and hibiscus. Wild little thing from uh, Sierra Nevada. So nice. It's, yeah. Cool. Okay. Oh, a little bit more. <laughs> Yoink. Um, I was chatting with someone and they were like, oh, I guess this is a British and American, maybe Australian thing. Where You know, you have those ads on TV where it's like, crazy Eddie's furniture store, crazy Eddie's crazy prices, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that guy, right? He's kind of a, the thing was no one actually, ch- the, there's no investigative journalism into Coming up tonight, you know, is Crazy Eddie really crazy? It's just a character that this person is playing and that's accepted. But he's a a salesman, he's a showman, he's a says the right thing, he's a blah, 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 larger than life, not taken too seriously kind of thing. I feel like Dana White and Trump both do that, you know? I don't think it's a politics thing. I think it's a... A business thing. Totally. Absolutely business business thing. That's their thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Politics is like a secondary... Plus, I mean, for Dana White to be able to say, it doesn't matter who the president is, to be able to say, oh, I'm president, president. Yeah. Like, that's a huge thing to be able to say. I, I think it could have been anyone. Yeah, it could Just have been happened anyone. to be a really good salesman, right? Because salesmen big up and sell something you don't necessarily want or need um, and take your money away. So yeah. that's the kind of, I don't know, I mean, that's, that's the, the crossover that I for, see. For yeah. both of them, right? For yeah. both of them, it's business. Yeah. Which, I don't know, I thought the whole thing was interesting. I thought it was cool for Colby. I mean, I, I like Colby Covington. I love his mm-hmm. shtick. I, I like all the things that he does. Like, to me, honestly, it's just fun. It's yeah. entertaining. It's like I don't take it at face wrestling. value. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just like I love Chael Sonnen. <laughs> yeah. Just him talking shit, Marcel. Even Henry <laughs> Cejudo. 
right? Jail like, Simon was the best. He tried to talk shit for so long. People said it was so cringe that he went into it, started calling himself the king of cringe, made himself even cringier. Co- started out the women's division. Yeah, the intergender <laughs> champion stuff. I mean, he just leaned yeah. so hard into it. And I'm like, I forgot why about not? that. I forgot about that. Why not? <laughs> he's like, I'm coming for you, Valentina. You know, his name's going to like be the first intergender champion of the UFC, all this stuff. I, I thought it's funny, man. It's just entertainment. Like, I don't take it at face value. Like, Colby's just a regular dude like anyone else. He's just marketing himself and doing yep. his thing. And So, who do you want to see Colby face next is the big question because he's after Masvidal. Masvidal. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Gotta be. It's got to be. For sure. 100% Masvidal. They were old training partners. They talk a lot of shit. Like, that's a great fight. They're both highly ranked. They both fought Usman most recently. Uh, what did Covington call him? Street Judas? Was that the at the end of the fight he like shouted it. something yeah, into the Street Judas? Was it Street Judas? And he said something else to oh fake newsman or whatever for for Usman. Yeah, and whoever fake was that, newsman. Yeah, that's, that's his nickname uh, for that's Usman. That's what it was. And uh, yeah, and then whoever wins that is the number one contender because yeah. Gilbert Burns has to fight Usman anyway. Mm-hmm. So that fight will happen before before hopefully Masvidal and Covington. And then they do Covington, number one contender, fights Usman again. You either have a sick rematch with Colby and Usman, or you have a rematch with Masvidal where he gets a full training camp, not just for a week. Win-win for everybody. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's the move. And then, so that was the only one that was like kind of boring and predictable. I mean, I predicted last week on the podcast that exactly what would happen would happen, that Covington would just overwhelm him and Rip punish him. Round five. I didn't predict Nicely that. Nicely done, man. I didn't predict that. <laughs> but uh, then the co-main was sick. Nico Price, Donald Cerrone. Yeah. Uh, Jake, you, you mentioned that you thought Cerrone looked a little slow. It was the first time I've ever seen him fight. Not that he looked off the pace slightly, but he looked his age for the first time ever. You looked and you thought, oh, that's an older fighter now. That's mm. not like a young man fighting anymore. And but that's the first time I've ever seen that from him. I thought he did. I thought he held up pretty well. I, th- I agree with you to a certain extent. I mean, he's 38. There's just no yeah. way to to hide it, right? Yeah. But he had to survive like kind of a blitz in the first two minutes. I thought he took those shots pretty well. Yep. I mean, he stayed competitive. It's just so fucking fun to watch. Slow him burn like, ramped up. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, I mean, funny. he landed Sorry. a couple head kicks, and I was just yeah, yeah. Like Nico Price was just eating everything. Yeah. That guy's crazy. He's like Nick Nate Diaz crazy. He's like you fight him, you know that like you could fight bad dudes, right? But you can't mm. fight crazy. Like, just, <laughs> there's something there. Like, yeah. You're not going to beat that guy. He's just going to flail and do crazy shit <laughs> until you separate him from his consciousness. Period. And uh, I love that. I mean, I thought he won the fight. I agree with mm. the draw because because of the eye poke they took a point away from yep. Uh, but really, really good fight. Did I, you catch that one? I did. I felt it's funny you should say that. I felt like um, his striking showed his age, but not his head movement. Like Cerrone had great head movement. His durability was like, there. Just he was bobbing and weaving and mm. pulling back, and his range was really nice. But it felt like his that like not killer instinct, but that that sharpness. That you know, that switch. just something. You know that yeah, snap. Yeah, surprise head kick stuff like that. Like knees he's out of nowhere. He's also fighting at one seventy. Like those guys are way bigger than him. That's what Jake True. and I were talking about earlier. I, I do not like him at one seventy yeah. anymore because he, he's never been. <clears throat> Like, he can get you with a head kick, but he's never really had power in his hands. If he's got someone, mm-hmm. he's got them with a combat. Yeah, it's a snapper. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. I just don't think that carries up to 170 for him. I like him at 55. You remember that mm. fucking combo? Jake, can you do me a favor and Google this? You should be able to find it easy. There's a gif of it. There's one where he goes Super Saiyan 2, which is pretty the sick. The Matt Brown one, I think? No, the... Um, the uh, oh, God, what's his name? It's right on the tip of my tongue. 
The one where he hit him with like the four piece combo and finished him. Rick Story. Rick Story. Rick's a horror story. Yeah, it's like my favorite finish of all time. He throws like a four piece combo, hits him with right everything. He hits him with like a one and a two and then a body shot and the body shot drops him down like that and then he perfectly times the head kick and finishes him. It's like the sickest finishing sequence mm. I've ever seen. Like perfect, pure Donald Cerrone, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. sniping everything. Exactly, he exactly. He even anticipated the yeah. movement from the body yeah. shot to perfectly line up the head kick. And there's a really great, I think it's that Ray Rod guy. You know, the Instagram guy that does all the gifts of like Thor's hammer and shit, wrecking people with those finishing sequences. But he did a uh, Rick Story, or he did one where he like goes Super Saiyan. Yes, that's it. Can you pull that shit up? Yeah, I'm just trying to get it to load. Oh, uh, yeah. You're on my, uh, my hotspot, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, this finishing sequence. Technology, man. Uh, I know, dude, right? Look at that. Wait, 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 Boom. <clears throat> Boom. Let me, oh. let me bring it back. Is that on the main screen? He's oh, now. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so watch this, watch this finishing sequence. I mean, this is like the edited one together, but even looks sicker. It's that jab, body shot, uppercut. Look at him, dip down, boom, right into that head kick. For some reason, it's not pulling on the main screen. Give me a second. Dude, that was sick. Yeah, this is the one where he goes (laughs) Super Saiyan. They play it one more time so we can see it all the way through. Plus, it's fucking, he goes Super Saiyan at the end. Sorry, I'm not pulling it on the main screen, but I can show you guys it again. Okay. Wait, so why won't it go on the main screen? I've got to work that out. Okay, no problem. That's fine. We, We saw it anyway just a second ago. But yeah, look at that. One, two, three. Boom! I want to see Cerrone's face during that whole combo because it's probably just like serene, yeah, just like no reaction, no like grimace, no like ah, just clinical. That's bang, that's prime Donald Cerrone, man. He was something crazy to watch. But anyway, such a great great fight. I I don't know how much longer I want to see him fight. To me, it's totally matchups. They need to give them the older guys, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to see him fight these hungry thirty-year-olds like Nico Price. I don't want to see him do that, but I could totally be down with like watching him fight Masvidal. I mean, Masvidal's kind of in his prime, but he's also 35 or 36. That'd be that would, a really good fight. That'd be a really good fight. I just want to see him fight that older guard. Mm. Diego Sanchez, at lightweight, that'd be a good fight. Maybe, uh, I don't know, something like that. Pettis, that was a good fight. Diego you know? Sanchez. What a career. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, he's another <clears throat> I think he's fighting soon, too. But anyway, yeah, so that was good. And then, uh, can you bring up the card, Jake? You got the other fights there as well? Yep, Just to take do. a quick look. The third fight. Oh, Marcos. Chimeyev. Oh. Chimeyev. Yeah. That's his name, right? Uh, so, this is the craziest statistic in the history of the sport. Do you know what his striking differential is in the UFC? 194 to 2. In other words, he's landed 194 shots and only received two in three fights. He's got a 100% finishing rate. He's fought in two weight Nine classes. Fights he now. fought two times in two weeks. And he's already had the most wins in the shortest amount of time in UFC history. I mean, I know that is. is insane. I know, I know the secret. What's that? So, I mean, I, I could share it if you want to know. I mean, Please. I think Enlighten I like, me. but yeah. <laughs> you have to be man enough to give up the mustache. <laughs> to give it's, up the mustache? The full belt only. That's where you get that, that secret armor strength. Amish strength. He's got. Yeah. The, that's a secret. He's got yeah. the Amish strength. Yeah. Anyway, because I, I was watching. You know, uh, for me, it's 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 it was beard versus chin strap. This whole fight, and I was like, mm, slightly better beard. Let's see. But that's what the Muslims Boom. do, right? They do the, yeah. the strap all yeah. the way around. Yep. Yeah. And that fight was done in 20 seconds. That guy, uh, Mirshard, talks so. It could have been shit. one punch. I it mean, was. He, he it finished him on. The, there were two more on the ground, but it wasn't. It was one punch. For he, statistics' sake, he threw one kick before that, and that oh, was it. Did he? Then he lined right, him up, right. and then he hit a, the right, 
And after Mearshart talked a lot of shit, he's like, there's no, because they booked him twice. Right. He's supposed to fight Damian Maya in like a month. And so they booked him twice. So Mearshart was like, oh, he's overlooking me. He's overlooking me. There's no way he's going to be, he's going to have to go through his, um, his injury timeout. He's going to need a month. He's going to need two weeks. I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt, all this stuff. Knocked out with the first punch yep. that got thrown in 20 seconds. Yeah. 15 seconds. Well, do you think he underestimated his striking? Or do you think I it was mean, just such a clean, straight, it's hard to straight tell. cross? It was straight it's hard cross, to tell right? with this guy. Didn't come over the, yeah, it didn't come over the top. It was a cross. Yeah, yeah, straight through the guard. Bang. Um, but I know that Mirshar had a bad day. He, oh, yeah? Because he talked a lot of shit. And he got oh, okay, to get okay, finished okay, like yeah. that so fast. Yeah. And, I mean, this guy's hype train. I thought he meant before the, the fight. I was like, oh, so that he, so that's why he got dropped because he had a bad day. No, no, no you afterwards. Get, you get oh, finished yeah, in yeah, 20 yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. You're having a bad yeah, day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, don't talk shit, right? Or do talk shit and back it up. But it's it's that fine line of of eliciting something from your opponent or putting your opponent in a headspace that's advantageous to you by saying something that gets them thinking. Or... Don't put that pressure on yourself as well. Like, there's the two ways to approach kind of shit talking, right? Is something going on there, Jake? With the, that camera? Anyway, uh, yeah. I just realized my hand has been in my face the whole time. No, so that's okay. No, no stress. Um, yeah, shit talking's an art, for sure. And if you can't Coming back, back to the up, Covington thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's the thing. All of the great shit talkers of the past, right? Muhammad Ali, Chael Sonnen, Conor McGregor, all of the guys, the number one thing is... Can you back it up or not? Mm. If you back it up, it's glorious to watch, right? Yep. When somebody's just talking hard shit and they come in and they wreck you, like, and everyone's like, damn, like Conor McGregor, Mystic yep. Mac, when he was telling everybody when he was gonna finish him and he was doing it, and he kept doing it over and over again, that was what created his legacy, right? And it's the same thing with this uh, with this Chimeyev guy. I mean, he's the hottest prospect in the sport now. Three mm -hmm. fights only. He's only, I think, now he's had nine fights mm -hmm. only. And his stock is just through the roof right now. If he gets through Damian Maya, I mean, we got one. I think it was, <clears throat> excuse me, watching the pre-fight um, conference and just, it was a weird mix of, because you, you get these different classes that come through MMA, right? You get the, the Machitas and the the martial artists, like you were saying, and you have, but even within those categories, you have new blood, right? So. Even within the the martial artist category, right? You've got um, my brain, bloody, mostly dude, got choked out and then got his face broken. Who? <laughs> um, oh God, what's his name? Blonde. Yeah. Oh, Sage. Sage Northcutt. Yeah, yeah. I would kind of put him in the martial artist category. Oh, right? for sure. Young blood, absolutely. But in the martial artist category, so it's like this. It's this tweaked martial artist. So you maybe you have a. You grow up in traditional martial arts, and then you transfer to MMA, or it, 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 you're not being raised in an MMA. Yeah, you get all these diverse you know? backgrounds yeah, exactly. right, of people entering the sport. So watching kind of Connor and watching uh, Magomedov, Jemaine. and then watching Shemaine, it's like, oh, it's like if they two had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like the kind of this distillation of that whole... Like different characters and see what works, but also have the skills and things. Oh yeah, talking about like uh, cross training, um, your skills-wise. I know we're again skipping around. The other fight um, was over really quickly. Um, Johnny Walker. Yeah, Johnny well, Walker. Wild fight, man. Yeah. Um, listening to hear, uh, hearing that he'd been doing like sambo training and stuff like that to kind of get the. I feel like. <sighs> Like the sambo wrestling is kind of the new, not necessarily like new jujitsu or whatever, but it's like 
people when Muay Thai was new it was like oh my god you gotta add that Muay Thai cap to your feather it's all elbows and kicking and crazy and knees and then like Jiu Jitsu it's like oh it's all strangulation and blah blah I feel like Sambo combat Sambo was skipped right because like Fedor is a monster yeah. right and you ha keep having these guys from Russia from Afghanistan all this kind of stuff that have that background but no one seems to train it outside of those countries mm. so to have this and they're the only brazilian dude yeah right, tall brazilian dude i didn't know he was training sambo. yeah it was just like an offhand comment that he was he'd been training sambo but i was like ooh, that's fucking clever right because the way that the game evolves is one thing but then all of these you know traditional martial arts like feeding into that how that's what make it makes it evolve right all these people from different places yeah. like adding to the heap well, and seeing what works it's the best thing about mma is like there's no uh the, you know every sport even if it's international like let, let's say take tennis for example right tennis is pretty international like people play that shit everywhere it's it's kind of like a bougie sport like you need to have a certain amount of money to play it to be able to afford the clubs kind of like golf all that kind of stuff you use fighting is universal you use rackets and tennis not clubs whatever it's the same to me dude it may as well <laughs> fucking use a racket or a club i don't give a shit Stupid. Let me get my tennis. <laughs> let me bring my tennis club over. <laughs> Fucking caveman. But you know the best thing is like fighting. Every culture has fighting. Mm, yeah. So then it's so funny, right? Because you got Dana White. We're talking about Donald Trump. We're talking mm -hmm. about Colby Covington. Meanwhile, you've got this this Dagestani Swedish guy. Yep. Who's fighting? And yep. they bring this table. The Brazilians are there. The Americans. The Europeans. You got the African. You got Ghana. Mm -hmm. You got. You got Usman, you got all of this stuff. It's so diverse because every culture has mm. deep, deep history in fighting. Mm -hmm. How crazy is it that it took until the mid-2000s before there was a league that just said, your fighting style, your fighting style, you're from here, you're from here. Let's just see what's up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Let's mm -hmm. just see what's up. Like, it's not boxing, it's not kicking. Do you want to choke people? You choke mm -hmm, people. You want to mm -hmm. pull guard, have someone on top of you, and you want to hoist Gracie people and triangle choke them from your back? Yeah. Whatever. How crazy is it that it took that point? And, like, you can start to see, now the women are involved too, right? Mm -hmm. And you start to see, like, the richness that martial arts provide. And finally, like, in 2020, it's becoming legal everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's, I mean, Khabib is a superstar. Yep. Right in yep. Dagestan, so you have all these pockets everywhere. Francis Ngannou, fucking Israel Adesanya, uh, yeah. Nigerian, right? And then you got Usman, and it's just literally was it everywhere. a salt mine? Yeah, Ngannou, yeah. some kind of mine, coal mine, salt mine, whatever it was. Buddy, yeah, and he Oof. never he never lifted weights. Yeah, <laughs> you just look at him, shred city. I mean, Cuba, right? You have yep. all of it just yep. it's awesome. And then you start to really see over the last five years the international because it takes years to build mm -hmm. right so when the ufc first started it was brazilians and americans mm -hmm. pretty much all a couple russians here at fedor right you get a, a sprinkling of other people but now you're starting to see that in the other countries they've developed like now in uh all these other countries they learn how to wrestle yep. they learn how to do exactly, arm bars. they exactly. learned all this other stuff so then you start to see international talent start to come and the whole world is realizing mm -hmm. how excellent the women are involved i mean the angela hill Karate hottie fight. That's, those are two moms. Those are two 35-year-old moms headlining a UFC card. It's awesome, right? But not just not just headlining it. It was a brilliant fight. Yeah, great like, fight. Awesome five-round fight. Dog fight. Well. Dog fight. It was an amazing fight. And yeah, and, and then even on this card, right, you start to see the international talent. And then, uh, so let's get to the last one. What was the what was the last fight on the main card there? Uh, Mackenzie Dern. Well, there's also, oh. yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you watch that one? Yeah, it was good. That was pretty, like, early on, what? Jumped on a high triangle, locked in, kept it going, transitioned to, like, kind of swung around the back, 
And then yeah. side control. She ended up in top side. And then half, uh, half guard. And then she was switched trying around for that arm bar, yeah, yeah, but yeah. she had her foot stuck. And so she uh, just kept pushing the right, foot right, in between right. the knees. Because if I have you in an arm bar, I need to be able to pinch my knees to create yep, the wedge. Yep, yep. So if your foot is still in the guard, you can you can extend, but you can't really isolate. You can't create the wedge on the elbow. That makes so sense. Randa kept trying to keep the foot in between. It's still painful, but it's not going to get yep. a break, most likely. And, uh, but the beginning of that fight, Jake and I just That's watched why it. kind of leg was. If this was the armbar coming up, and her leg was at that funny angle. Yeah, because she, she was trapped get the at the. Pinch. Right, 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 right. Gotcha, gotcha. But uh, yeah, Jake and I were talking, and Mackenzie Dern like threw a strike and fell, and then for some reason yeah. Randa jumped on top of her. Was it a strike or was it a kick? It was something. So it's, she threw, threw a kick and then fell. Yeah. And all you got to do is not follow her to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you get on top of her? Like, what are you doing? So that was pretty silly. You've seen cats though. You run like a little bit feather in front of them. They just can't have you know. It was just reaction, but she terrible reaction. But she should. Jake, do you want some? But she should have been training. Cats jump off buildings all the time. I mean, she should. Yeah, that's fair enough. But she should have been training her muscle memory to Mm. at all. That's the point of a training camp, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. It's like you're fighting that individual, not like let's see both of our martial arts skill sets. It's like no, I I can't let you go to your best. A oh, yeah, sorry. Place. Yeah, go for it, go for it's it. It's okay, dude. Just grab it. Don't be shy. Show your pretty I, face I, on the camera. It's all good. Yeah. I have another one in here as well. Okay, like. so we'll just give that one to him then. Oh, he doesn't cool. have to yeah, move yeah. so much. This is the... Um, the goes, right? Yes, this is the... Blood Orange Blood Orange goes. Anderson Valley. Super nice. Super drinking. Super easy drinking, rather. Anyway, yeah. The, the fights were pretty good. Really good today. The Johnny Walker fight was crazy. I mean, they were, uh, they were just swinging. He got dropped like two times. Yeah. And then he came back. And they got those Travis Brown elbows to the side of the head. You eat a few of those. I remember that's one of the most devastating strikes in MMA. I remember it happened to Ahmed. Was he doing it? Was he doing it? Yeah, like this. But they they, they allow that. You're allowed to do that. I, no, 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 no. I'm because when it happened, it blew my mind. I was like, yeah, that's why, why don't people just do that? Yeah. When they're coming in, like just right there. That's why right you there. can't stay there. It happened yeah. to Ahmed when he was fighting in the meme. My friend Ahmed. He was fighting in the MEMA finals against Tebin. I've talked about that fight a few times on the podcast. And uh, same thing, Ahmed shot. You couldn't do elbows elbows because it was amateur Muay Thai, but I told him leading up to the fight, if you shoot and you get against the cage, you have to stand up immediately. Because if you leave your head near the hip, those hammer fists come in, and you can generate a ton of force in a very short distance like that. And it happened to me when I fought Silvio as well. When I tried to take him down, he just started hammer fisting me, and I was like, shit. I didn't get knocked out, but I got dazed, and I was like, I have to get up right now. And then uh, Ahmed told me that when Tebin hit him with those strikes, it was the same. It was like the most hard. He almost, he like dropped down for a second. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh God. And then he got up and managed to finish the takedown. But if you linger there for a few seconds, you eat a couple of those, you're done. And even though he was dropped and ro- they hit each other at the same time. You see where they, Span and Punch Walker both punched each other at the same time. They both wobbled each other. And then oh, Span that. went no, in for no, the finish. No, no. And then that was when he went for the takedown. And then Walker hit him with that. I mean, it was a crazy fight. I saw someone get staggered backwards, but I guess I was looking at that and didn't realize that the other person was also staggered at the same time. They mentioned it on the broadcast that they both okay. wobbled each other because he kind of got wobbled yeah, yeah, yeah. and his leg went out. Right, right, right. Wild fight, man. That guy, Johnny Walker, is not the most technical guy, but he's got ridiculous power. And he's got like an 84-inch, 82-inch reach. I think it's like the second longest like in UFC. Other yeah. than John Jones. It's called Johnny Walker. I know, and he's called Johnny Walker. Yeah. yeah. Like a it's, it's, but it's not spelled the same as the whiskey. I don't I think because I was, I, I was like streaming, like scrolling through Twitter and I was like at Johnny Walker. I was like, how the fuck did he get at Johnny Walker? Like yeah. that's a, oh wait, 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 okay, okay, never mind, never mind, change. 
And then, uh, yeah, man, so the, the fight card was pretty good. That was, we just watched the main card, watched it today. Didn't have time to watch all the prelims because I was working all day. But the fights were good. And then next week's card is a banger. So let's, let's go into that one, Jake. Can you pull the whole card up? you mind? Yeah, yeah. Can, uh, give me one second. So we got Israel Adesanya fighting Paulo Costa. You zoom in on that bad boy for me. We'll get in there and see the tail of the tape here. Yeah, this what a great fight. Mm -hmm. What a great stylistic, interesting matchup. You got the counter striker versus the pure. Paulo Costa has the is the most active striker in the history of UFC. Meaning he throws more strikes per minute than any fighter in the history of the UFC. Oh, Going against one of the best counter strikers yep. in the history of the UFC. Both undefeated. Like you got the it's the bull and the matador, right? I mean it's perfect stylistic fight, super interesting. Uh, both undefeated, both fighting for the title. That is a banger. That's the best fight of the year so far, I would say. Predictions? Sorry? Predictions? Or do you know? Well, I mean, I don't it's know. rough, shit. right? I'll, I'll predict. Uh, <laughs> I, I could be with, wrong. I got to go with Izzy. I got to go with Izzy because if it does end up as a striking fight, you have to you have to take Izzy in that fight. Yeah. And a lot of times in those bull versus the Matador fights, the Matador wins. Right? So Costa's got yeah. to apply pressure, but he's got to apply smart pressure. He yeah. can't just keep wading in constantly or I think Izzy will snipe him. Mm-hmm. But it's a good, good fight. It's the best middleweight fight in a Do you think Costa could beast Adesanya, take the striking out of it? Well, he's not really like a grab. I mean, he's a striker. He doesn't yeah. really take anybody down. He doesn't really do that too much. So I think the fight's going to be all on the feet. I think it's just going to be how does Costa move forward. Mm -hmm. If he moves forward. Cal and they'll get caught while he's, he's losing throwing. a lot of reach as well. Is he's got way way longer reach. He's six foot four. Yeah. Right? He's wiry and thin. Yeah, whereas yeah. Costa's built like a goddamn... Tank. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I don't know. What do you think about it? For me, it's like... It's pre it's a fight prepared where the, the... The the kind of apex of both of their skills come into play, right? Because like you were saying, with the, counters, the, the counter punching versus the big punching, right? Because Cost is such a high volume thrower... The chances of that interaction happening are much higher. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, mm, yeah, I kind of, I, I feel like Adesanya is a bit more slippery. Um, Cost is a bit more. Well, yeah, to continue the metaphor. Like I mean, a bit more a bullish. Bull in, he's a bull in yeah, a China exactly. shop, right? Whereas Izzy's just smooth and snapping. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a close fight. I think you got to give the, the favorite to, to Izzy. You got to. He is the favorite. Yep. I, I have no doubt. He's the champ. He should be. Good fight, great fight. I'm gonna be watching that one closely. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Jake? Um, I think Costa is there a possibility Costa takes a leaf out of Romero's book from the last fight and actually doesn't charge in? I don't like think so. How disappointing was that? Oh, yes. The Romero Izzy fight, like so disappointing. That was one of those fights where you're like, there's no way. It was like the Derek Lewis and Ganu fight. You're like, there's no way this is boring. And then you're watching it, and you're like, no. They found a way. They found a way. <laughs> how, how do they do? Just be yourself, and it would have been such a good fight. But, it, you know, it's, yeah, it's that classic thing of you have two people with very clear weapons. So both people just avoid those very clear weapons. Yeah. And, and nobody was willing to overcommit. You know, but that's it's like, what I it is. Need you to, oh, I need someone to overcommit. <laughs> I need somebody to put themselves out of position to make this thing interesting, right? Take a risk. I mean, ultimately, the ultimately it's on Yoel, right? Because mm, yeah. Izzy's a champ. 
So yeah. you got to bring it to him. Mm-hmm. You got to take it from him. If he can coast and jab you to death, then it's, you know it's your fault. Like you got to get in there. So I think it's going to be the same way with Costa. I don't think Costa's going to do that. I think he's going to have to beast him. He's such a bruiser, man. Mm. He's just such a bruiser. I, I think that fight with Romero. I mean, you watch Izzy versus Costa, and then you watch, or sorry, Izzy versus Romero, and then you watch Costa versus Romero, and you're just like, damn, they dropped each other both in the first round. Like they both almost finished insane. each other. What a great epic ass fight for the grandpa that is Yoel Romero too. <laughs> Forty-eight years old. He's such a savage though. He's such a beast. The best genetic freak of all time is. He? I mean, he's got to be right for certain things. But we'll see how Engano holds up when he's forty-two. Troy. I mean, G- Romero comed- competed in the Olympics in like the mid nineties. Yeah. Right. You imagine how fucking explosive that guy was when he was twenty. But this is, you know, bringing into your thing of the athlete versus the martial artist, right? Romero, athlete. Yeah, totally. Athlete. 100%. But athlete, He's also not afraid to fight. Athlete like, plus like, age. Yes, right? exactly. So it, it's not like you can... If you start out as a gold medalist athlete and you get into MMA, you learn sneaky tricks, you become a dangerous fighter, right? But you can't start an MMA, pick up some gold medal wrestling... As you do, yeah, you know, and then add that to your bag of tricks. So, is there, is 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 the progression of the sportsman? Well, also think about the, the type of sports that people do, right? Whether they're individual sports or team sports. And this is totally different on on tactics, right? Team sports, you have a job, and you might be the best at doing that job, but it, you know, like I said, your coach makes the plays, yeah. right? But individual sports. You are the coach it's as all well. On you. Exactly. Your preparation is yeah. a team sport, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, and I see this all the time with, I mean, my students and other people's students, and I, I've been susceptible to it as well. Not really in MMA, but in when I wrestled in, in jujitsu tournaments, where you know you're trained to do one thing, and you know what you're supposed to do, and then when you're there, like you don't do it. You're I'm not, turning left today. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you're supposed to follow a strategy, and then when shit gets crazy and punches start flying or whatever, all of a sudden the strategy's gone, and then you're like, why, why did I do that? All of that kind of stuff plays a role too, and that's where like you get Romero. I think he had a game plan where he was like, "I'm gonna pull Izzy in, and I'm mm-hmm, gonna counter strike." Mm-hmm. And he went the other way with it. He was so set in his game plan mm-hmm. that once Izzy never came in, yeah. he's like, "All right, well, I'm just gonna stand here." <laughs> that's what he, did. he just stood <laughs> there in the that. middle of the ring. How tall? Literally Romero? did not move for like two minutes. Romero's how tall? Uh, I don't know, six one, six two, something like that. What? Maybe six feet. No. I mean, really? He's taller for sure. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm making shit up. <laughs> I don't know how tall he is. But, I mean, he's a middleweight. He's tall enough. He's over six feet, I would say. Huh. That surprises me. I thought he, I always thought he was a little more stacked. I mean, he's, he's definitely stacked. But I think Izzy's like 6'4", 6'5". 6'4", yeah. Yeah, 6'4", uh, so. yeah, and Costa's 6'1". Yeah. Costa's built like Romero, too. I mean, is that, the, is that the best Romero, body matchup Romero, of all though. time? Who? Costa and Romero? <laughs> Just that, in, like, if this is like Mr. Universe? Yeah, exactly. Mr. <laughs> Universe is beating the shit out of each other. Is that number one? Probably. All right, so who else is on here, man? Let's go through the rest of the card real quick. Marcos and versus, are we talking about Oh, Blahovich oh, okay. and uh, Dominic Reyes. That's the co Right. For the new light heavyweight title now that John Jones is moving hmm. up to heavyweight. You got to go with Reyes. You got to favor him, I would say. I just feel like I'm so out of touch to make a call. Mm. You know, it's just after the John Jones fight, you have to go with Reyes. I feel yeah. he's longer. He's got he's built like John. Bohovich is a little bit shorter. 
more of a brawler, whereas same thing, Reyes is a sniper, man. He's got a really he's a southpaw. He's got a really good step back uh, pull cross, which is what he knocked out Chris Weidman with. He's got a few people with it where he just gets outside the range, steps back, boom, lunges in with that, uh, okay. with that left hand really, really quick. Caught Jones with it a bunch of times. Boxing's real sharp. I think you got to go with Reyes in, in that fight. But uh, then again, Blahovich knocked out Luke Rockhold with that left hook. He's looked pretty good. Were people kind of hating on that, though? Were people saying that Rockhold... I can't, I can't remember seeing the strike, but I remember like reading something. And it was like, oh, Rockhold's chin, blah, blah. I mean, Rockhold's shouldn't chin have put was, him out. But he got hit clean, jaw broken. Oh, yeah, he got well, up. then, you know, I mean, yeah. that's if you've got the credentials for yeah. <laughs> yeah, <he laughs> was, in the face. If your chin's gone, and then you get your jaw yeah. broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There you yeah go. That'll there you do it. it. That'll do it. Yeah. So it's a good fight. I mean, I think it's a good fight for the... And then, so, Bohovich beat... Um, What's the guy's name? He went to Bellator now. Uh, Corey Anderson, he beat him. He was like okay. top five. And then he Corey. knocked out Luke Rockhold. So it's a good fight. I mean, I think it's the right guys for the division now that the DC and Jones are both gone. Uh, I think Reyes wins. Should be a pretty interesting fight. Do you feel like there's kind of a a story vacuum in the division? Because, I mean, for how many years have we been talking about John Jones? I mean, the story is still Dominic Reyes and John Jones. Because I thought Dominic Reyes won that fight. It yeah. was the... I mean, if they ever do it, assuming that Reyes can stay the champ for a while and assuming he wins, that's the best story in the light heavyweight division because anybody that Reyes beats, they're always going to be like, oh, but John right, Jones right, right. is a real champ. Right. But Dominic Reyes, I mean, a lot of people picked him to win that fight. A lot of people said he won, including mm. me. I thought it was 3-2. I didn't pick him to win it, but I remember watching the fight going, oh, I think fucking John Jones lost this fight. That's what I mean. I, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't yeah. predict he would win. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. you can't ever bet against John Jones. I mean, the guy's never fucking lost. It's crazy. John Jones but, does not ever bet against John Jones, that's for yeah, sure. Exactly. You know? But I thought that he won the decision, but I thought mm. it was razor close. And I, it wasn't a, didn't upset me that, that he lost because it was that close. I didn't think anyone got robbed or anything like mm-hmm. that. But it was clearly the most competitive fight of, of John's career. So, I mean, that's the big story in light heavyweight. Anything else is just whatever. But then again, he's moving up to fight Stipe or Francis, and both of those fights just like, damn, man. Damn. The, the rumor is Lesnar. Jones whatever, Lesnar. Whatever, dude. I'm over this Lesnar shit. Like, I'm just John over. Jones Lesnar? Dude, John Jones would destroy <laughs> Brock Lesnar. He would destroy him. Fight Island. No Yasada. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Let Brock take all the steroids. Let John take all the coke. Let's see who wins, man. Let's just see. You Make them mean? do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make them do it Lock together. Lock in the cage <laughs> two days beforehand. John takes a quick bump with on like the way a, to the cage. With a piece of glass in the middle. That's how they should do the fights. <laughs> like starving dogs. No. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That'd be, that'd be funny. What are we, so who, who else is... Uh, let's go through the main card real quick. We'll just knock out a few more. And then we can go into greener pastures here. So we got... Can you zoom in? I can't read that. So we got Jan, Golkai Carfronts, and Royal, is it? Royal. Royal. Yeah, that's okay. Not, not, I'm not too keen on that. They're both up-and-comers. I think 5'4". What's this? 5'4 versus 5'9". What's the next four. one? Anything else, anything else good on there? It's um, today's card... As an overall card, it was actually better than this. I feel. Well, it's just those two fights, right? Those two. Yeah. Men, that Costa Adesanya fight is going to be so sick. Mm-hmm. Any other people on there worth worth predicting or breaking down? Oh, Alexa Barra. Okay, well, that's fine. We don't have to spend too much more time on that. Anyway, man, pretty good, 
pretty good week this week of fights. Pretty good week next week. Couple quick knockouts. There was also that quick knockout in one. Capitan. Capitan. Yeah. Did you see that? I mean, you nope. can pull it up. It took about four seconds. So it was like. The, so um, I mean, I don't know pull. if we can show it. Maybe you have to. I don't so, know where you could find a gift. Maybe not like YouTube or whatever. Official time: six seconds. Yeah. Oof. I mean, they literally just got this tight. There's more tight fight, right? There's oh, right, right, like, right, Boom, dead. Like, it's just, cross. That was it. Yeah, cross. The cross, man, never goes out of style. Never <sighs> goes out of style. That that punch. You got a sharp one that comes out of nowhere, and you yep. can't tell distance, right? And it travels the most direct path, right? Mm. So it's the, it requires the least amount of space to travel mm -hmm. through. You just get a ton of power on it. You'll land it right. It's good stuff, man. So what do we got, Greg? Let's drink another beer, dude. Sure. You need to get um, saucy here. Oh, we got the goes. Yep. You want to so, split this? Well, I, sp I split one already. So you can, well, I'm sure. Whatever. I don't mind. Pour yourself. This one, Go ahead. Another one. I don't know. You tell me. You can, you're the, you can, you can you're pour the away. boss, dude, when it comes to beer. Not anymore, though. You're the boss. You're Not stick. anymore. No, like, oh, uh, moved on to, yeah, greener pastures. What's up? Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. What happened? Um, Wait, you can just tell me. Oh, no. So, well, if we want to charge the batteries, now would be yep. a good point to cut. Yep. Oh, okay, sure. Yep. Okay, uh, yeah, so everybody, what we're going to do is we finished up with the MMA talk, so we're going to give a quick cut. We're going to come back so we can charge the batteries so Greg and I can Perfect. podcast longer, and then uh, we will be back to talk about whatever random shit comes out of our faces. Thank you so much, yep. Stronghold Podcast. We'll be right back. Thank you. And just like that, we're back. I chugged the rest of this goes because Greg insisted, and we are moving on to... What do you got, dude? What's this next beer? So this is a... So we didn't even... I, we kind of glazed over the beers we were talking about. This mm. is the nice thing about this podcast, right? The MMA stuff plus beers is what we would do anyway. This is what right? I would do in every social situation that I'm in, given the option. It's like, what do I want to do when I go and hang out with people? I want to go and get some beers and then talk about fighting. Talk about martial arts. Yeah. So the, it's, it's not really about the beer, right? I mean, it's, it's there to... But that can enrich... Help. For sure, for enrich sure. Enrich the experience, yeah. right? So, like, for example, today I knew... Drinking can be complicated. Drinking can be very easy. We're not drinking out of, like, finest stem quality glassware here at the moment. We're drinking out of cans. We're drinking out of, you know, getting into it. Um, so the first one we had was the Garage Project, the salted white peach. That is my... It's become what I drink nearly all the time. 2.9% and it's hot day, cold day, after work, uh, after work especially, right? Because I've changed jobs now, mm -hmm. right? I'm a different thing. Um, the second we had the Sierra Nevada. Um, what's the name of it again? This one? No, 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 no the pink, pink and yellow. Oh, Wild Little Thing. Wild Little Thing. Slightly right. sour ale. Yes. 5.5%. But it's also strawberry, guava, and hibiscus, right? Because the you get a sharpness from the the sourness of the ale, but hibiscus also brings a dryness to it, which pairs really nicely with that that sour finish. Kind of cleanses the palate. It's one of the reasons I love drinking sour beers, right? Because it yeah, reminds I love me sours of too. yeah. It, 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 my absolute all time. You ask me this a lot. What's my favorite beer, right? And I don't know the answer, but I know the style, right? And it's a. Ah, soured berry stout, right? So it's probably about six and a half percent. It's got a really rich kind of velvety mouthfeel, right? But it's got tartness from both the, you know, the brewing process, bacteria and things like that, but also the berries. First beer I ever made was a blackberry porter, right? The first beer I ever, ever made was, um, oh, 
homebrew system. I think it was a Coors uh, homebrew kind of thing. Made a porter, got a really nice chocolatey recipe, worked with Raymond from Ivory, what's up? Um, then bought a whole bunch of blackberries in, in secondary fermentation, threw them all in. Didn't know how it was going to turn out, right? And to this day, it's the one beer I've not found a good replacement for to drink. It's the, it's the one, I probably messed up something in the brewing process that I don't remember it being tart or sour or anything like that, but I also didn't have the palate to detect that kind of stuff early on, right? Yeah. So it could have been an absolute train crash of a beer, but the memories of it are something that I constantly chase, which is that unctuous kind of almost, it's almost black foresty kind of feel, but sharpness and bite and roundness and berry and juiciness and all this kind of stuff, right? Not juiciness, not like an any IPA. Um, just kind of this round filling character, like biting into a fresh kind of piece of fruit or, the, or that sharpness, that puckering from picking a raspberry, right? That's the kind of, that's the thing that drives me. That's the thing that I want to drink only is this sour berry stout. So the next best thing is all of these soury stuff, right? So this is Marionberry um, from Rogue uh, in the States. Um, Rogue does a lot of beer, man. Oh, yeah. They, got, they oh, yeah. go crazy. Oh, they're huge. They do, they're, they're enormous. I remember that voodoo donut thing. I mean, it literally tasted... That was pretty... It was so it sweet. It tastes like it, furniture polish. It tasted I remember like, that. It tasted oh, like no, that donut. Was the, that was the lemon... We did a lemon slice beer, remember? Yeah. It was the lemon slice beer. Was that, that on our po old podcast? Yes, it was. So Greg and, yes, I were just it was. Greg and I were just talking about this, right? Because uh, I, I think you and I are the oldest podcasters in Singapore. We're close, man. We're, we're like first team. Woods, first generation. Oh, yeah. I'll take a little bit of that, dude. You like... What's We're like first generation, so for the listeners that don't know, Greg and I started a podcast together in 2015, I think. Uh, we just did it out of my place, and uh, it was called the Brew Jitsu Podcast, and all we did was go. drink beer, talk about training, talk about martial arts. Very similar to what we've we're doing so right now. We've come so far. Yeah, exactly. We've come so we've far. We've really changed a lot over the years, in case you yeah. can't tell. And, cheers uh, to a year, by the way. Cheers. Oh, Before thank you, man. I appreciate no that. One year of doing the podcast. Boom. You still drink before smelling it, dickhead. How many, how many times have we drunk together? I'm still, Greg, you, you are the one that made me appreciate beer. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a fucking hillbilly American West Virginia kid, right? Like, uh, my white trash roots run deep. And those people aren't... Cool. They're not looking for nice IPAs, especially back before the American craft beer boom hit, which is when I was growing up. Especially out. Well, there were two, right? So there was... Um, Oh, I mean, the most God, recent history. one yeah, where yeah. in like the last 10 years, yeah. the hipsters started, right? And then all of a sudden craft beer started popping up everywhere, like globally. Because late 80s, early 90s as well was like a big, or was it I mean, like that's when it started to get 80s. away from like the mainstream beer. So people did other, but the amount of craft now that you see yeah. where it's like, so you can get as crazy as you want. And uh, when I grew up, it was just like Coors Light, Coors, yep. Budweiser, Bush. Uh, I mean, the most exotic thing you could get was like a Corona. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So I, I grew up in that. So alcohol to me was just, especially when I was in, first of all, I didn't drink ever for the first time until I was like 21. Mm -hmm. Good being American. Right. But it wasn't even because of that. I just didn't really feel the need I to think drink or anything. too high anyway. And you know, I, I saw a bunch of like bad alcoholics and stuff growing up and I didn't want to be a part of that. So it took me actually trying it when I was 21. Mm. I was just drinking to, for the feeling. Because mm -hmm. when you first start drinking, it's 
pretty gnarly, right? Like yep. alcohol tastes extremely strong when you're not used to it. So to me, it was just fuel for like if I wanted to party or I wanted to have a few drinks. But then when I met you, an actual brewer, and you started describing all of the flavors and the, the st- I mean, I didn't know what an IPA was, let alone mm. like the amount of depth that you can find of that particular one style of beer. It's like anything right? though. You know, it's I like always any- say you can look in any direction Infinitely. You were my, you were my like, uh, my my black belt brewer, right? Because like when, when, when you go into the gym yeah. and you start to see the for the first jujitsu class and you look around and you're seeing, what, and then you see like the coach roll and you see the level of depth, how he just wrecks everybody, and then all of a sudden your mind is just a little locked, yeah, unlatches, and all of a sudden this potential understanding of this crazy craft that you've never been a part of, all of a sudden unfolds in front of you and you start to realize how crazy in depth mm-hmm. this can go. So like when I met you and we started trying all these different beers and you would describe the style and the taste you'd be like oh it tastes like a crushed berry in wood and I never even would have thought and then when he said that I'm like it does taste like a fucking crushed berry in wood (laughs) I never would have been able to describe that because I didn't have a sophisticated palate or the language to understand what I was feeling so you were sort of that eye-opening thing for me so it's really interesting over the years to have done this and I start to appreciate beer for more than just Mm. getting drunk yeah which is what I did when I was young same I mean you know, growing up in Singapore, you can get away with murder, right? If you're an expat, pretty much as a young expat kid. And I definitely didn't drink before I was 18. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, you, you start out drinking Tigers, classic. Or even before that, it was Anchors, until before the Tiger beer steamrolled them. Um, drink Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Okay, try something else, San Miguel, blah, blah. And you, you, there is a natural progression in drinking, right? Or, well, I, I guess it depends on the person. For me, there definitely was. It is true, because even now I started to appreciate scotch. Okay. I never had scotch before, but coming out of Circuit Breaker, yeah. I was pretty thick. Yeah. Your boy was right. juicy. Right? Yeah, fair. Coming out of Circuit Breaker, and I wanted to lose some weight, so I had to stop eating carbs, and then I wanted to quit so drinking So you only beer. drank whiskey. So I was, I was like, what, what can I single drink, right? Like, no, but like, what can you sip? I don't want to put Coke in it. I don't yeah. want to drink the beer, right? Yeah. I'm not really a wine person. Yeah. So I was like, Fair. what do people just sip? And I was like, I've never really been a scotch drinker. Let's Methylated try. spirits. So like, let's try it. That's the cleanest one, right? Right. Just drink some meths. <laughs> yeah, woo. And then, uh, so, I, well, I, I like tequila Mouthwash. with the shot. Okay. I can yeah. do that tequila with the lime, whatever. But then I was like, I'm kind of sick of that. So what, what else can I try? And then I thought, well, people sip scotch. And the same thing. I know people can go balls deep in scotch. Yeah. Right, with all it's this amount of peatiness and it's yeah. whatever, you know. So then I was like, okay, let me try this. And I, was, after like a day or two of drinking it, and then I started to be like, okay, this is actually manageable. I'm mm. starting to. And then I bought a different bottle, and I was like, okay. You drinking it neat? Uh, ice. Because I, I still don't have the palate strong enough to handle the straight scotch, so I put some. You ice can drink in less it. of it, and I like it cold too. But okay, it's fair. It thin or whatever. See, I was Scottish, right? I was raised. In a whiskey drinking household, we'd go fishing and drink whiskey. I remember falling into the water and my dad giving me whiskey when I was like, I don't know, less than seven, something like that. Seven? Warm me up. Yeah, you know, fell in the water. My waiter's filled with water. He pulled me up. You know, hit. You know, it's just it's medicinal, right? Well, did you, did you ever <laughs> hear you're the Scottish, thing about whiskey's the, medicinal? Do you ever hear the thing with babies yeah. where you put the the whiskey on the baby's thing when they're teething? Like it is an actual thing people do. When did your parents drink with you for the first time ever, Jake? Um, How old were you? Did they drink with you first, or did you drink first? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh yeah, not like Scotland, Scotland, North of England. They are completely different cultures. Wait, so did, so your first drink were you offered it to by your parents or something like that? How was the first one? 
Or did you find it yourself in the mug? So there was a drink called Baby Sham. Great. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Greg will testify to this. So Baby Sham was, what is it? Shandy, right? Yeah, like some weak drink. 2% type thing. Oh, yeah, but to an eight year old. Yeah. Yeah. And that's literally like. Didn't they come in little champagne bottles or something like that? Wasn't it like a little baby yeah. sham? Something like that. He was, yeah. was seen as very sophisticated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very sophisticated drinking when you're seven. <laughs> we were classy seven year olds. I'm pretty sure my parents filled up bottles of baby sham with like fucking tonic. Or, so you not have, tonic, but like, you know. You have a drinking experience with your parents. You have drinking experience pre, well, let's say pre-legal, right? Pre-18 or whatever it was for you. So you, you ever sit down and your dad be like, hey, we're going to drink a beer together. Was it something like that? Like, or was it like, you know, even for me, I guess the first time I ever had alcohol was at a church communion where they do the wine. Blood of Christ. Woo. That was the first time I ever had it. So I guess that kind of counts. So about, about 14, I reckon north of England, you just start drinking in the pub then. Yeah. So I must have been about 14. My stepdad- 14, you could drink it in the pub? Mm, you can get away with it. Yeah. Not, le- not legally, but yeah, you can <laughs> give it a go. So my stepdad was like, come on, we'll go to the pub. It's almost a rite of passage as well. You know, going to the pub for a pint. Yeah. You know. I, I think it was, it was um, a big anniversary of the Second World War or something like that, like Victory in Europe Day. It was 50 years, 60 years. I can't remember what it was because I'm terrible at maths. Like 95. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, he's like, come on, we'll go to the pub and we'll have a drink. So I was like, okay. And then we went up to the pub and I literally went up to the bar and the barman was like, hiya, Jake, usual. My stepdad was like... <laughs> oh, yeah, because he also thinks you're overage too because why would he think otherwise? Because you're in a bar drinking. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's fascinating, man, because culture has handled alcohol so much. I mean, you know, even here, like... I sometimes wonder how I'm perceived on the podcast, believe it or not, <laughs> based on all the crazy shit I say on here. But I sometimes wonder about how I'm perceived. And, you know, I'm a MMA coach. I teach a bunch of kids. And then it's always weird when you're thinking about being on the podcast. Yep. And I'm basically, in some sense, it's not all I'm doing, but I'm getting drunk in public for, like, the public's consumption in the eye of the public. And I don't want to be perceived a certain way. But it's like I drink maybe two days a week. Like, just honestly, I drink two days a week. Two of them are usually, one of them is on this podcast, and then I'll have, like, a drink on a Friday night or Saturday night or whatever it is, right? But people that watch this podcast think I drink 100% of the time. (laughs) Well, it's that relationship you you form with, the viewers form with you, right? Because they see you in one context. Yes. So they would assume that all the time especially if you know you binge watch and you're like oh my god he just drank 20 beers in an hour it's like no because you watched three episodes back to back you know yeah so but there's a bit of a yeah yeah and the reason i do it is because i always just want this po- it's like going back to talk doing the podcast with you yep my favorite method to sit down and just have a conversation with somebody and to do this kind of thing is just the way that i've done it for the years is you sit down you have a beer with somebody mm-hmm. you talk about mutual interests disinterests whatever the case is yep. and it's just you sit here you down a few and i was like if i'm going to do a podcast where i do this with people i mean i've done podcasts where we didn't drink because the guest doesn't drink mm-hmm. i don't drink i don't drink if they don't drink of course right I mean, standard it's only yeah. if you do it i'll do it my hair and i had coffee i had bruno on oh bruno we had a couple beers yeah. but other people just want water and then i just follow yep. whatever the guest does right so i haven't drank for every podcast but then when i drank with you <laughs> on that one podcast or when i drank with major i think major and i polished off 25 oh, I, beers yeah I remember, yeah i mean we by the end of it we didn't know what the hell was going on <laughs> but it's also like fun and I enjoy, you know, the podcast that I watch when people drink or they do whatever they're doing. I, it's fun for me. Like, I'm not judging them for the thing they're doing. I'm just kind of going along the ride with them. And, people uh, being people, you know, whatever. Like, what, if you're, 
trying to keep up appearances on a podcast. I mean, it's... Are you the BBC? No. Are you Fox? No. Are you CNN? No. Do you have a weird agenda to push? No. Maybe teach jiu-jitsu to your kids. That's mm-hmm. about it. This is why people... Well might tune in or because this is the kind of thing that you've been trying to keep throughout the whole it's that authenticity it's it's uh, not necessarily relatability but sit down have a beer like that is so kind of standard and it's i feel like it's disappearing a little bit as well um the for some people right so the kind of process of just going to the pub and sitting down, pulling up to the bar, and drinking your beer repeatedly until you either chat to the person next to you or you go home. Like, I've gone to the pub plenty of times by myself. Sat, had a couple of beers, watched the whatever's on. I, I'm not a sports person. But there's something to... It, it's, it's a cultural experience, especially for Brits, right? America, it's a little bit different, I feel, because of the 21 age drinking rule, right? So, plus, everything's so fucking far away. That you have to drive to the bar, park, go in, sit down, drink five hours, come out, and then Drive what? home drunk. Drive home <laughs> drunk. Everyone just drives home drunk. I couldn't believe that in the States. Yeah. We left the bar. Everyone scattered like fucking cockroaches when the light comes on to their cars. And then it was just like three-point turn, three-point turn. And just well, especially back, back then, there was no Uber. There was no this. What, and what, what, and people then, this that is, live this in is rural right now. America, they're not calling a cab home. Yeah. They're not calling – like if you live in rural America, like West Virginia, I don't even know if there was a cab company. Yeah. No one's got – 100% of families have cars. Yeah. That is just the only way to live. You can't get around without it. There's no city hubs. Mm. There's like a gas station and a Walmart and a fucking McDonald's, right? I mean that's it. So, so where, where would young American kids drink apart from Canada? House parties or pubs. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Pubs? I, I thought it was pretty strict in the States. Oh, you mean like – under 21 or whatever. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so then, yeah, house parties. Usually, a, a lot of Americans drink young. Because mm. cake their parties are the things that blew my they mind. Do it, they do it at home. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was going to ask you, Greg, I was just thinking about this while you were talking, is uh, you mentioned how it's happening less and less. People going to the pub, having a beer, socializing and that. I was going to ask For you... For that if, type of experience, that kind of... I mean... I was going to ask you if you think a lot more people are like alone home drinking because socialization has changed so much over the last 10 years where most of people's social communications happen on the phone that I wonder if people would be like more inclined to instead of just going to the pub with like strangers just go get beer go home have a drink play on your phone I wonder if people are just generally socializing less with alcohol because of the the ease with which people can communicate on their phone and also the fact that most communications nowadays probably happen over the phone but how lame are zoom drinking parties is that even a thing yeah yeah yeah, people do like. Yes, people will have Zoom drink. I mean, because because you can't you go out the, to the pub you got the right COVID now. Thing, you right? Yeah, you got you the fucking plague times, so you can't go out to the. Well, now you can in some places, but yeah, people getting together drinking on Zoom. I kind of get it, but it's not the same because there's a weird. You're on screen, and it, there's a weird kind of standard to hold yourself to that you wouldn't necessarily be doing in person because you'd be a lot more relaxed, right? It's more of a production. Oh, look at me and my eight friends on Zoom. We're all having an amazing party. But yeah. it, but everyone's like not as relaxed as they should be or could be, you know? The, so speaking of like, so old old, old pubs to me, right? The, you know, the, the, the 
like I know the Irish bar is a concept, but if you would go to the go to Scotland, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, right? There's there's always been and the UK and England rather, Ireland, Wales bar. Um, there was always a certain pub that people would go to, right? You're local. You either live near there, or you had like not you necessarily see the colleagues. same people all the time because yeah. it's like the yeah. town pub, yeah. right? Well, so there used to be this old man pub. I mean, it's called old man pub, right? Filled with old, old, old bald men in Scotland in Aberdeen. It was called the I think it's called like the the Don, the Bridge of Don Bar. The Don is a river, right? The, the D and the Don are near Aberdeen. Uh, good salmon fishing, and. Um, the, there was this old man pub there, and there used to be two guys that would sit and chat. And they, one worked in the foreign service, right? It was a, um, and the other was a, I think it was a quantity surveyor, right? It was a, a civil engineer. And it might be years between their conversations, right? It, they would meet, they were both from Aberdeen, so they would talk, and they might see each other three times a week. They might not see each other for a couple of years, right? But it would it would always come back to them just sitting have, having a beer, right? They didn't share any... Well, I don't know what they talked about, but it was rarely shared about, like, personal life. It was mostly, like, musings and talking shit and thinking about stuff and blah, blah, blah. But your personal life wasn't something you would talk about in the pub. Roll on years later, right? At my parents' wedding, my dad's dad was like, what the fuck are you doing here? My mom's brother were like, what the fuck are you doing here? They were the drinking buddies for year, oh. decades. Decades, right? In this, in this old man pub. But they never discussed family life. It's not like, oh, my daughter's getting married. Oh, my, brother, uh, my so brother's getting even, married. Oh, my son's getting know. married. No idea. That's they hilarious. met at the wedding. Yeah. Right? So there's that They were friends of, for decades, and they didn't know whose family was who, who nope. was a part of... Uh, didn't matter. Never came up. <laughs> nope. It wasn't... It was just a... I would love to know what they talked about. Yeah, what um, do you talk about if you never get around to family? Like, what you- <sighs> Who knows? Everything and nothing, and, you know, it's just a... But uh, there was no phone in the pocket. There was no... There was r- rarely a phone anywhere... You know, probably yeah, it's like like dial it's, one up. It's interesting, right? Because now we live in this world where I almost wish people would go back to the point where they didn't feel like they had to talk about everything. You know what I mean? It's like now, he says on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, with like public, like if if someone asks me my political opinion, mm. then then I'll give it. But if they don't, I'm not going to. And like yeah. the same thing with how I post on Facebook. Like people either a they can't handle opposing opinions so it creates some kind of argument yep. or it's like I don't want to hear necessarily what your political opinion is yep. you just let's talk about whatever because if you tell me and I'm ask, I ask you what your political opinion is and you tell me that I'm interested in that but if like I'm just sitting here sh- shooting the shit with you and then you say something in today's climate people just want to argue and argue and argue about politics it's like I kind of just wish all of that crazy shit took a lesser a lesser place and people could just get along and talk about their families or their lives or their do whatever without the toxicity coming in. But it's so paired with um, Although fame. I guess people fought it's at pubs all the time. People well. fought at pubs all the time though. So oh, even back yeah, in the day, people would still say some shit and all of a sudden they're Bar in a Barbrawl is a term, right? Yeah, so you I, know? I guess, whatever man, people are just yeah. people. But, I don't know, they do. 
So I spent 10 years of my life drinking in the same bar, probably longer than that even, until I moved abroad in yeah. a, a place in uh, up north of England, Rotherham, called the Tutton Shire. And I could not tell you a single thing we talk, talked about the entire time I was there. Not a word. But That's a fair point. Oh, but brilliant. hours and hours and hours and hours of just utter shite. Yeah. But, <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's cathartic, right? Because yeah. it's it's the you know you're, you're, people people want to talk about safe places now, safe spaces. The pub used to be a safe space, you know, for for types of people. I think it still is because you can say some shit in a pub. That if you said it in public, like, pe- people would rip their ears off, but right? But there's I mean, an assumed... Some of the nasty shit that comes out of people's mouths at pubs. I love it, right? I would never want it to say. But you can't say that in, like, a PC culture type era that we're in now in a public <laughs> place. And I love that, right? Because people will say all kinds of... You'll hear the most fucked up shit you've ever heard from somebody at a pub drinking beers together. Well, the irony is that you can't say it in a public place, but you could say it in a public house, which is what a pub is. Yeah, that's right? true. So, but it's that... It is so but there's, some sense there's it is a, that safe space, right? Where but it's there's like, an assumed alcohol component. Yeah. Right? There's no assumed component for outside. If I told you the dirtiest, grossest, nastiest joke that I know is fucking disgusting, and I told you like while we were just out walking down the street, you you might be like, like just totally out. You'd be like, I mean, funny, but is this the time? But then if that same thing happened at a pub, you would just laugh your ass off. It would be totally socially acceptable to everybody around. Depends on the joke, but yeah, no, it's a, but yeah. it's definitely a dying breed. I don't know if it's a bad thing or if it's, it's a, a thing good either. thing. But there's just. But I feel like there's some part the of it outrage that's also... fame, kind of kills it because if you've got eggshells everywhere you go, you can't relax, right? And that's what a pub is. You you, you go there, you see your bar, fucking cheers, right? Hey Norm, like hey, canned applause when for a pub. Yeah. This is a fucking show about a pub. Like, is it, I mean, right? all American TV takes place in a pub. Or a couch. Or something. Like, but they're all drinking at, well, I guess, the yeah. coffee shop or whatever. But True. I mean, that's just, yeah, it's the absolute standard, right? People sitting at a pub. Everybody can relate to it. You're just drinking a beer. And I, I do feel like, I don't know, man. People still do it. I'm happy to do it. It's it's good. Like, I like. Depends on the people, right? What do you think about the alcohol high, right? Because Oof. the thing is, it's weird. Because alcohol is great when you're on the incline. Like, if I'm consuming it at enough of a rate where I'm on the incline, it's great. It's, you know, because they say alcohol is a depressant, which, which of course, it, it technically is, right? But it doesn't feel like that. Almost it feels like a stimulant when you're yeah. on the way up. But once you start to go down, that's when things get weird, right? That, that's when you can get into those weird psychological places where you would say shit that you would never say. You start to get offended easily. Mm. You lash <clears> out <throat> when you shouldn't have lashed. You go over, get overly emotional. What was it? A drunk man's words or a sober man's thoughts? That's because, yeah, they'll come out unfiltered with a lot of people, right? And there's something to be said for that, right? That's why people like to drink. Well, there's something to alcohol, for sure. I mean, before we started this, I was like, do you want to get a rolling start? Yeah. You know? I was like, should we just ease into it? That's why I have 2.9% as the first beer. And I was instantly like, yeah, for sure. It's a slow ramp up, right? Because you want to get... That's why we didn't start out with 13.6, chap. Right. Well, if we had, that would have ruined the us. potential that could half have an hour podcast. In that podcast land. Half an hour podcast. <laughs> but um, we survived the last one, and you ended up just yeah. dying immediately after somehow. So we could pull it off, man. We're pros at this point. It's it's not gonna. Well, I mean, it it will kill you. 
I, don't I, mean, I mean, no one's I, ever died. I'm not, I'm not a surgeon general here, but... Um, I don't drink enough for it to kill me, I hope. Well, I don't like getting drunk. That's the thing. You asked me about the alcohol high. Mm. I, don't like getting, I don't like getting drunk. I like getting tipsy. Yeah, that's the perfect space. Right? Maintain tipsy. Yeah. Right? Sober. Uh, tipsy. Hooey. Drunk. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hungover. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Tipsy. That's the, that's the fucking key. Um, in terms of, like, metabolizing the alcohol. in Because well, I also don't like drinking volume anymore. Cause yeah. The, that's why I tried when there was scotch. nothing to I was like, drink, I don't want just all yeah. of this fluid, right? I mean, when there was nothing to drink, brand-wise, it was volume-wise for your kicks, right? I, you get used to anything, right? You do anything for a long time, you get used to drinking, or you do anything, you get used to it. So, for, if you drank a lot, you get used to drinking a lot more, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I was definitely eighteen old when all these stories took place. Wink, 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 wink. wink. Um, Twitch. Um, <laughs> so, I remember. I was probably 18, definitely not minus three years. So I definitely was 18. Not you know, minus three Not years. minus yeah, three years. You're very years, clear. Right? Why are you saying yeah. it again? I'm just, you know, because numbers, 18, num- numbers confuse me. Go yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't um, get it, dude. <laughs> but the, the U.S. Navy used to come into town, right? A lot. There used to be ships in, yeah. in Singapore. And you would, you know, see these jack dudes walking up and down Orchard Road. And like, oh, there must be a ship in kind of thing. Now, these guys were on boats for months. Not drinking, earning money, right? So the first thing that they would do when they used to get off the boats is go drinking, right? So I used to like take my pocket money and like hustle sailors out of beer and money and turn into their guide by the end of the night. This was the like shtick that I had. So it would always be mug pint jug, right? Look at a group of people, find who's like not the most alpha because they can get kind of aggro if they've been drinking but like the guy who's kind of like standing up or you know challenge him to a drinking contest match him on the first one right so if we're drinking mugs eye to eye I'm watching is that beeping yeah the camera's beep Jake anyway go ahead dun 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 match him on the on the mug right and say oh man you're a really good drinker like this is amazing why don't we do a pint to make it into a real contest right which I would destroy him at so you're Always hustling wrecked. these people like a, yeah. like a pool shark. Absolutely. That, this right? was your move? This is my move. This what, is my why move. Why would you like... What possessed you to want to do that? <laughs> I don't dance. So, so, this was, uh, so this was your trick. This was like yeah. your party trick. I like playing pool. I like playing darts. I knew a lot of bar tricks. Mm. So I honestly think it's because I don't dance. Cause I, because I don't what? dance. No, for real. There's, I've thought about this. So it used to be you would go to a pub and then you'd go to a club afterwards right now clubs are very expensive a to get in b to drink in right mm. and c i don't dance right which is one of the main points of going to a club so i would drink beforehand in the pub and then once we got to the club i would play pool at the back oh. right which was continuously drinking playing pool so that's where my kind of like hustle would lie right but it, getting back to the like sailor dudes always had some to prove i was way fatter and way shorter than I was, right? So it's this little butterball that's, like, drinking fast with them. Um, match the mug, smash them in the pint, right? Because then the last one's always the jug of beer. And it doesn't matter if you win or lose because they've pretty much already paid for it, right? Because they have to pay for the next round. Mm. So you either walk away kind of so drunk. So you were doing this to the... get free beer, basically, Yes, right? absolutely. Okay. But then 
depending on how they were and depending on how they acted during the kind of like hustly part, I would then say, hey man, I can be your guide to Singapore. You guys are like new in town. Like I can show you around. You want to you wanna go drink in some of these bars? Blah, trying blah. to keep the party alive. No, no. I'm trying to get them to pay for all my drinks, right? <laughs> uh, I'm not a hot chick. Right, I have to work for this. <laughs> I can't just like, I don't dance, right? Going back to my original point. So it was the, it, it was the keeping up with drinkers. And I would always just drop them at Orchard Towers, right? That was the, the end of the night. Cause you know, we would drink around Orchard Road. Orchard Towers is the latest thing open. So you'd always be like, okay, take them to a couple of places. And then as soon as people start getting like shark eyed and weird and drunk, it's like, and enjoy your night, gentlemen. To have the red light one. district I, we go. Yeah, I literally have school tomorrow, so I will go and do that. Um, school when you were 18. 18. Negative three. Yeah. Not yeah. negative three. Yep. Definitely only A-levels in university. Um, but it just became part of my Was that just character. like your, was that your social... Was that like your social thing that you would do? Like, uh, you just like race beers, chug beers quick, drink a lot of beer, play a lot of like power hour. It's crazy, dude, because you rarely ever drink now. No, I don't do it. I You're one of the weird system. ones who like drank a lot when they were young, and yeah. then you were just like, okay, I'm good. Well, I really think I dodged a bullet because um, in terms yeah, most of most people go toward alcoholism when they get to, <laughs> when they get to that point. It's in my family for sure. Yeah, it's in mine I too. Mean, it's in mine too. Um, you know, Scottish Irish. During, like after the the war, kind of my granddad was a customs agent, all this kind of stuff, and there's booze, there's booze in all directions in my family tree, right? So I feel like I really did dodge bullet, and the fact that it's my, well, it was my industry. Yeah, exactly. Right, it was your job. Yeah. I mean, you liked it enough time. to make it a career. Yeah. Well, I, f- I, I mean, I totally fell into it by accident, but then the people kept me there, and the just kind of interest in innovation and. Let's drink a beer, right? This, how can you complain? You know, that's yeah. I just there's it, something at the end of the day, it always comes back down to it's beer, bro. Like it's not. I I get the whiskey thing. I understand it. I just am too impatient, and I'm not a good enough drinker to drink different types of whiskey. However, whiskey straight with a dash of water, I can drink all night. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what that's I was the doing. only thing. It's See, the only thing that I can. You know what I like about all this stuff, dude. Even like your old job, your new job, because uh, Greg was a brewer. He, he went and got his brewmasters. Now he's work. He's a woodworker. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's something about. I don't know. Maybe this is me being a little bit nostalgic and thinking like in images and stuff like that. But there's just something. I, and I told this to Greg when he told me he was going to get his job as a woodworker. I was like, there's something about like tactile yeah. work like making something crafting something if you're like making a desk or you're brewing a beer mm-hmm. or even i feel of course feel the same way about martial arts it's oh, like if you're doing something with your hands as a man and not only a man uh, women too are into that as well but like there's just something about the craft the master woodworker at my stuff. company is a is a young girl well not young girl young woman oh i mean of course called joanna like she's and i mean she of course women it. can go into all these things as well but in my brain i guess i'm associating it a little bit with the concept of like the manly man right of like what's a man a man makes things a man yeah. builds shit right women of course do the same thing i'm not saying i'm just saying from my the way that my brain sees it. So don't think that by me saying men do this, that women doesn't, don't assume that. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But, uh, 
There's a just, you, there's like, a weird historic like, I came archetype. Home with sawdust on me, yeah. and I went to dude, your house and I saw your boots, just yeah. fucking man boots, dude. Like those masks, just filled with like sawdusts. There's something about that, stuff, you know, right? There's something to that. It's a bit romantic, I guess, the way that my brain is perceiving it. But I'm a martial artist and an and a fighter, yeah. right? To me, there's something just manly. I like that. Yeah. For whatever reason, I just kind of like that image of it. And then as you do it, I'm like, good for you, man. Like, there's nothing that's just clean, honest work, yep. like, going and building shit. Totally agree. You totally agree. I mean? I mean, you know, I've, I guess, you know, some people are, like, makers. And I've, I'm definitely a maker, right? Being a little kid, I was always making, like, little sculptures. You give me any blue tack, and it's a penguin within, like, 45 seconds, right? It's just, the, sure. Uh, this one's a little like a little uh, little balsamic-y on the. Yeah, it's not. This is the grapey sour. Marionberry. Grapey, mm. you fucking Neanderthal. I don't know, some berry, dude. Whatever, man. <laughs> it's a Whatever, special man. berry. Um, but the, the, yeah, it's it's funny people's perceptions of things because, you know, you've run an MMA studio, you've been and are or were and are still maybe a professional fighter, right? Black belt. Jiu-Jitsu, and to hear you say, "Oh, that's such a manly thing," is weird because <laughs> then I approach what you do. I'm like, "Oh, that's such a manly thing." What do you do? I make tables. <laughs> you know, like it's such a, but it's, it's it's this weird thing that exists in your brain and all of this these archetypes and and things that you've made up, right? Because my idea of a woodworker and your idea of a woodworker are not the same, right? But they and may for other people, they may a woodworker would be close. But yeah. I mean, if you're one of these like financial guys, if you're working in the banking industry and all that kind of, they're like, make a table. Are you fucking kidding me? Right. It's just all of these perceptions with how you view valuable work, interesting work, craftsmanship. All of this stuff is so totally subjective. So these are. I brought them. I work for a company called uh, Arthur Zaro. We specialize in Singapore grown reclaimed wood right so it's not from overseas it's a, we, we don't get anything there we've got um angsana which is this kind of blonde slightly saffrony beautiful slightly sl- saffrony wood um so this is one of the cutting it? boards I smell it yeah smell it you smell wood is that a move i don't know. go for it man no it's uh, solid Look it is that. solid 100%, indeed 100 i don't know if the 100 percent singapore grown yeah that's what the stamp so this this is the crazy thing i've got another one here Whoa. it's very smooth so this is our so that's angsana which is the blonde kind of color and this is angsana. like african mahogany oh, but crazy. grown in singapore right so all you going down the pie or the ecp or whatever you know those trees in the middle that always get pruned you're like where does the wood go i hope they don't just burn it um singapore that's what this is was this like singapore Sustainable Singapore city wood. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So this is grown. Yeah, like I said, grown in Singapore. I never knew this was an industry until you told me. Neither did I. Like Singapore grown wood making. I had no tables idea. Tables and so what all do you guys make? Wow. So I think the specialty is. Um, oops. The specialty is like these huge, like three meter long, all one piece of wood tables, right? So they've usually got kind of, kind of black metal legs, but the, the top, so if you imagine you've got a tree, right? Tree standing up like this, cut tree down. You then cut it along the length this way. So then you get a whole bunch of planks, right? One of those planks you turn on your side is a table. So these things are, you look at them, 
they kind of have this like flow to the outside edge. If it's uh, like a rain tree, it gets from this super kind of blonde character and then all the way into the browns of like dark grain. Um, it, it's very similar to, to brewing, right? To brewing grains. All very similar colors, caramels and hay color and all this kind of stuff, all exist within the grain, all the way down to the dark chocolates and things like that. Um, this whole, the, the tree might have like not necessarily rot, but if it's a, sometimes the tree has to be felled, yeah, because um, it's either in the way or it's old, right? So the so are they growing like are they specifically growing these things or are they kind of just they, they're, they're, they're dropping them? They're down? planted like sixty years ago, right? You know, or, but they know the type of wood, and then your company goes in, collects these certain types of woods, mm -hmm. and then create. It's quite interesting to think about that. Like Singapore doesn't make a lot of its own stuff. No, I mean, which is why it's still kind of a. Uh, a slightly boutique product, which is why we have the cutting boards and chopping boards, right? I mean, it's like ninety percent niche, like, right? Like, there's a lot of people yeah. who would want like just because. Why not? It's a beautiful piece of mm -hmm. wood. Like, instead of going to IKEA and just I mean, getting whatever, yeah, you get a my table wedding ring. made from Singaporean wood. Totally. Right? A lot of people I mean, want to take them back, especially like expats and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people, if they refurbish their HDB, um, we've had a lot of like local young couples come in um, that are like, oh, we want this or or that and the other. You can. You get like tree stumps to sit on. My, Wait, your my, ring is what? My ring is like wood grain. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it up to the camera. Oh, geez. I don't know if you can. Uh, this is an effort. Probably not. That's no, okay. that's I mean, never going to happen. But interesting anyway. Um, so, yeah, so it's. Wait, is it made of wood? No, it's metal, but it's printed in a, in a wood grain. Oh. So okay. it's got like the, the lines going. It look, oh, fuck it, I'll just take it off. Um, it looks like a cross section of a tree, right? Oh yeah, but I was but I was making beer at that time, so why didn't I get like hops or something? It's just, it's always been a very something that's close to my heart. It looks like a ring with almost like tiger stripes going. Yeah, down a little bit. Yeah, or yeah, something yeah. Like that, it's right? like darker than like the a tiger print. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks. So it's always been something that's really close to my heart, um, especially like wood turning. Not finding planks are fucking boring, right? Plank of wood, two by fours, and. I'm not gonna say suck my dick, but you want that, you want that kind of for me natural live edge to it, that that natural look where you you get this hunk of tree, you spend ages flattening it out, you, you want know, to with see a router, a tree you sand point. it down, and then the best stage is oiling, right? It's it's like porn, because you you <laughs> sand it down, you oiling the wood, yeah, oiling buddy. the wood is like porn, yeah, buddy. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, you are oh, you man. just enjoy no, oiling no, no, no. your wood, dude. So like, you've 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 cut, you've shaped, you've flattened, which which is also a skill. Being able to flatten something by hand, yeah. that's that took me a long. I'm still not like amazing at it. I know how to do it, but that is definitely a very tactile skill to be able to feel if a plane is flat and be able to know all the different ways of testing if a piece of wood is flat. Because if it's not flat, right, you go to fuck table. You remember that uh, skit in Rick and Morty where he finds true level? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see that? Uh, so it makes me think about it, right? Because uh, it's a quick segue to bring this down a notch. So in Rick and Morty, there's this episode where he's uh, Morty's like leveling something in the garage or whatever, and he tries to use one of those bubble levels. Yep. And then Rick walks in and he's like, "Oh, you want to see real, true level?" And he comes back and he does all of his laser machines <laughs> and all of his fancy shit and all of the stuff to make it every single grain of dust is 
off on it, just perfectly level, like exactly like atomically level. flat. And then, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> yes. And then uh, Morty steps on it, and he's like, "This is no big deal." And then he like starts having an orgasm. Uh, he's yeah. just because the tactile feeling is just so fucking good. It's so and true. Then he steps off of it, and then he goes into like an instant existential angst where he starts like crying. Like, the world is not what I thought. Everything's dead. Like life sucks. Just because his feeling was so I totally tactile. Get it. I totally get it. Back it was truly level. What a fucking great skit. But it hits on that concept of like when you do something yep. with your hand, you make something and it's so pristine touch that there's something that is just beautiful when you feel it to the touch. It gives you so much satisfaction, mm. right? But it's not bending something to your will. It's working with it. Mm. You know, so it's... Yeah, that's a great point. You know, when we get these trees, it takes a real eye to be able to look at them. I don't do this. And then... I'm back to being an apprentice again, right? So mm-hmm. back down to learning everything, which is nice because there's no pressure. You yeah. know, I don't feel um, either a weird performance pressure or a historical pressure or a kind of pressure to live up to things and, and put all of my learning into practice, right? Now I'm purely learning, which is pretty awesome. Obviously, I have to put my learning into practice when I'm making the things day to day, but there's, I came into it green, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I lost train of thought. So when we, oh yeah, talking about true flush and level, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do are these these kind of cutting boards and whatnot, and we also do like tables and and but the there's not a lot of joinery, so it's not a lot of like dovetailing and stuff like this. It's it's working with the wood to make it's and simple, bring right? out what is in it. Oh, oiling wood. Oh, buddy, oh, right. buddy, oil in your wood, buddy. We're back to that again. Let me tell you. Please tell me more about so when you oil your you, wood. Yeah, once you fl- you know you flattened it, you've sanded it all down, and there's like fucking sa- sawdust everywhere. It's it's all nice, it's all flat. All the the edges are taken off, and you like run your finger all over it and cut this kind of stuff. Take it through for oiling, and it goes from this like dusty, milky, because of all the dust, right? Like all the all the the sawdust and fine particulate to the like vibrant wood grain yeah. like you rub oil over it we use like a, a mineral oil food safe because it's cutting boards and things just start to jump out at you you know all of the colors become apparent um you can see where you've been working on hopefully you found all your mistakes by that stage or else you have to go and like resand it and all this kind of stuff but it's just the it's it's like the money shot of woodworking. You know? <laughs> money, it, it just totally is. The money shot of woodworking. Yeah. What's the money shot, Greg? For the money shot, it's like the one, it's the shot that you pay the most for because it's the most valuable. Yeah. I mean, describe it That's to me what, in depth. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Please, yep. to all the listeners, yep. tell me, I've never heard this term before. Never? Money it's shot? a cinematic term. You were in theater, weren't you? <laughs> I was not in that kind of theater, bro. <laughs> well. What I'm doing in front of camera is a little bit different. Uh, that's interesting, man. It is one of those things where it's like, I just love craftsmanship. Yeah. I love how, even as you describe it, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the listeners, you see a table, you're just like, oh, it's a fucking table. You don't. Oh, really I've already think, looked at this one. Yeah, you don't really think that it, you, all of the work and all of the nuance that goes into that, but then you can literally, everything's a little microcosm, right? Everything's fractal. Yep. You can sort of like, li- I mean, I'm looking at these cameras. There's how do they work? Single, first of all, I don't know how it works, yeah. let alone do I know how to make the damn thing. Yep. I can't even make it work. And I can literally point to, there's a fucking bag there. This dude painted this shit on my wall. What are these paints made of? Infinity like, everywhere. Exactly. And it, that's one of the things about like uh, becoming an expert 
hmm. in anything is it starts to open up your mind to how much complexity there is yep. in any task that you do. And as a human, I think that we, we need that. You need that complexity, that game, that thing where you're like, you break something as arbitrary as whatever, like a table, which is mm -hmm. something that it's not arbitrary. It's something that we all have, but we don't ever think about the actual work and the level of knowledge and sophistication mm. it comes to actually make that thing and all the history that led up to the point of it being in its modern state and it's flat and it's geometric and it's polished mm -hmm. and it has to look nice and has to be affordable i mean you could fucking go any direction any direction yeah. with it and uh it takes actually like committing yourself to something to look around and then appreciate all the nice things that we have our smartphones are all of this when realistically most of us are just kind of going into an office every day mm. and doing repetitive tasks, whatever. I mean, whether you're a banker or whether you're a lawyer or whether you're doing whatever. I make a lot of cutting boards too, you know? Yeah. So it's... Cutting boards. You do drills. Yeah. You know, there, there is that. that. Like, a cutting board has to be a specific type of thing, right? It's different than a Everyone's table. different. It's, Every cutting board is different as yeah, well, right? for sure. So, because it's, 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 it has this basis of being a natural product. Yeah, so and you have we to eat off of it, right? I mean, you have to make something that like you can actually put oh, yeah. the food on over and over yeah. and over again. So yeah, it's appreciated. I appreciate all of the uh, the craftsmanship that goes, especially your job, but like any job really. Like if you're making stuff, there's just something mm. to me about that. This romantic, even like, you know, it's something as simple as for me, like coming in and seeing people get better at training, get yep. better at fighting, like tapping people out, landing punches, and all that kind of stuff. And that's a, that's like a when it's I see those people, they're a sculpture. Yeah. Right? It's commitment like, to the rabbit they hole. They started out as this little, like you know, weird yeah. little spherical thing that's got no no definition to it, and you're just slowly chipping away at making this like image of what is perfect fighting mm -hmm, technique. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. as you see gradual improvement for that, you're just like, damn, it's just, it's so cool. Whether you're making tables or training people or teaching people, like Jake and I both have in the past, and he is now, and making podcasts, like where you're still, you know, you're, you're in the broader sense of the term, you're sculpting a person. You know, you're yeah. you're forming an audience. Which That's what is, learning is, just in general, yeah. right? You're sculpting yeah. yourself, yeah. your personality, your interests, the things that you're willing to commit your time to, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. It's incredibly, incredibly fascinating. It's, but I think we need to we need to wrap yep. up here pretty no soon. Bro. Oh, I gotta get uh, Jake out of here. Yeah. Okay. Because the man Kill has this kids. One then. Oh no. The man has Sorry. children. <laughs> How dare you, Jake? Keep it in your pants, dude. God. So, bless them. They'll, uh, they'll be pleased to see me in the morning because they're already in bed. Problem solved. I, was a, a, I shouldn't say keep it in his pants to his, his two children train here with me all the oh. time. And I'm like, get, get them out of here. Get, get, <laughs> yeah, get it out of your pants. <laughs> anyway, guys, Greg, one year. One year, buddy. One year. I appreciate time all of this. Kind of flies kind right of flies. now. You have a new baby as well. Yep. That's happened in the last year. I was a huge softy and like disappeared and like made her a video for bedtime. Oh, you did? You fucking, you see? You're gone, dude. You're done. You're I thought done. about this earlier today. You're totally Five more minutes. Five more minutes. I thought about this earlier today with Donald Cerrone, right? Because before he had kids, absolute savage, right? After he had kids, he's like, oh, no one knows what a savage I am. Like, I've never been such a savage as right now because I have kids. But does it take away from your killer instinct, having kids? Because now you have progeny. Now you've got something to carry on the name. Is there a biological thing on the next episode of? No, yeah. but, it, but it's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. can you, because I I mean, know. it can go two ways, right? One, it can almost domesticate you. And in the other sense, you're fighting for something bigger than yourself for maybe the first time. But I, I mean, I feel like you could fight a bear. 
Oh no, madam. Sorry, every time I'm on the podcast, I drop a mic. Sorry for all your listeners who just had your ear hole explode. Yeah. <laughs> like if you were fighting a bear for a child, that's one thing because it's very then and now, right? Like I'm sure you can go into an extra gear, pull a car off a kid, off a baby or something, right? But do, do your general levels lower down? I think for most people. Jake, I'm sure you chilled out when you had kids, right? I mean, that's a pretty common theme. But you also don't want to die. That's true. Because if now you, you have kids. To survive. So, like, no more head kicks, please. Like, that kind of stuff. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, it's, uh, yeah, having kids definitely makes you think a different way about things that normally you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll jump off this cliff. It's yeah. fine. What, worst that can happen, I'll die. And then you've got kids, you're like, no, I'm not jumping off this cliff because I could die. And yep. then, you know, my kids, what happens then? Even with, like, something we've been talking about the whole podcast, right? Like, drinking. Like, when you, when you don't have kids, you can go get wrecked on a Wednesday night, do all this kind of stuff, right? The hangover tomorrow, you deal with it however you deal with it, whatever. But then I, I'm, I'm not a parent, but of course, I would assume that, like, you, you can't be doing that shit my, as much. You can get a cheeky one in there every now and again, right? But My baby might have tried beer. <laughs> Which is For like, science. I just, I just imagine you, like... No, no, no. no. But see, I don't drink like that. No, so it's just, a, that's just. Some but no, I, I, I was drinking a, a like a session IPA, so it was kind of low alcohol but high hopped. And I remembered reading about the the way that kind of babies' um, palates come into you know because they they like sweet and they like bitter and they like sour and sometimes they can't detect different things. So I just wondered what the kind of reaction to a very 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 bitter um, session IPA would be like, nonplussed. Nothing. Is the is the that's about it? That was yep. the word you came up with. Yep. Well, I remember even watching that was the word she came up with, which was even more mind blowing. Considering no, she's like eight months old. Yeah. Uh, even Ten. I remember saw, seeing a video of Jen, your wife, uh, having the baby try pickle. Yep. And I was like, can you imagine being an eight month old and having a sour pickle exploding? She was fine. That's torture to me. Like, I why mean, would you do that it's to such a small a child? Taste right, but then she loved it. So it is quite interesting to think about that. But it's not the same palettes as we have right so things appear totally it's like it's like having one of those flavor switching sweet sour berries or chili and then eating anything you did you eat much chili before you came to singapore um i mean chili's in everything i didn't eat chili spicy shit until i was like i mean that's just not the american diet right the american diet is sugar salt yeah so like here but here and everything in singapore comes with chili so these kids from the time that they're three four years old they've got the chicken rice chili they've got all these different the sambal all these different kinds of chilies whereas like i didn't have that until i was a done adult Mm. right so my palate it wasn't even perception for me i thought hot sauce was like tabasco and that was it well that's why getting into the brewing thing i feel like i was super lucky because i pretty much grew up here right so it's that i was exposed to so much different stuff Oh, I know we got we can just do we this for do another this two day. hours. We could do this all day, guys. Um, I think it's time to uh, cut the cameras and drink that quad. Yes. Oh. Thirteen point six percent. We're Actually, gonna be what? stumbling home after that. You will for sure. Last time we drank. I'm doing you. pretty good. You are. We I've kept been drinking little beers. Although to be fair, when we did the last podcast, I thought you were okay. Until <laughs> so afterward, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that's the. Oh, Hold that uh, up so we can whack. see. It. So that's what's coming off the it podcast. It doesn't look radioactive at all. Definitely looks safe to for human consumption. If anything too crazy happens after the podcast, I'll record a quick video on my phone and we'll add it at the end. Let me do a backflip just so we can see how this night goes. All right, guys. Cheers. Craig, thank you so much. You know always I love pleasure. you, dude. You know always I love. You. This is always you're my favorite person to podcast with of all time, Jake. I love you too, dude. Let's get a little weird. I See, love you too. Good. No, it's fine. It's a lot of love. It's nice. It's Absolutely. nice. I appreciate all of you guys. 
And uh, thank you so much. One year, everybody who listens to the podcast, thank you so much. I know things go off the rails. I know I get weird. I know I swear a lot. Just remember that I'm a deeply rooted hillbilly. We're all flawed. And uh, this is just uh, the way that I talk. So I appreciate you. Thank you guys for doing this. Stronghold Podcast, uh, one year anniversary. We'll be back next week with Yang. Cool. The owner of Equilibrium. Oh, nice. Nice. So okay. we'll have some more MMA talk, some gym talk, all that kind of stuff. So thank you guys for listening. This is the Stronghold Podcast. Cheers. Sludge.